Blog Talk Radio. In much less detail, the podcast where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Here are your hosts, Jay and Dre. Y'all know what time it is. It's time for connection issues on Blog Talk Radio. No, it's time for in much less detail the podcast here with you live on a Saturday night, December the 29th, 2018, our last show of 2018. Here to break down week 17, the last week of picks in the NFL this year for the regular season. I am Dre. Jay has not checked in yet, and I absolutely know why he hasn't checked in is because blog talk radio is all screwed up man uh i have tried to connect through the computer as the host multiple times have not been able to do so try to connect to the com- through the computer as a guest multiple times and have not been able to and so i'm hosting through the phone and don't know if I'm being heard at all because my co-host Jay is no uh, is not here yet and has not texted me, has not connected through, um, and I have no idea if I'm being heard. If he's still trying to connect, I don't I don't know exactly what's going on. But it's one of those nights for Blog Talk Radio. It's the the Christmas holiday season. There's probably nobody wherever Blog Talk Radio is headquartered. There's probably nobody running the show. As far as any tech support issues, they don't know what's going on. They don't care. Um, so that's where we are standing right now. And Jason is uh, calling in now through the phone line, so I get to find out if he can hear me and I can hear him. Hey, Jason, I mean, can you hear me? Yeah, okay, I can hear you. I, can hear you. I can't call in on the other on the on the quote unquote high fidelity line. I can't call in on that at all. I can't host on that line. I can't connect as a guest on that line. The the computer right. line is completely down. Okay. And there's nothing nothing we can do about it. So we're going to be doing it old school through the phone tonight. Got it. Yeah, I know. I actually, just, I have I have web access, but I click the button and I get nothing. It doesn't even get pretend like get the exact same thing I get. Okay. So this is clearly their problem tonight. Tech support is completely out to lunch. They don't give a damn. They're not there. They don't care. They, they don't. They don't right. have any issues at all, and, and they don't really care about what's going on here. So that's I'm just kind of far from the course. We can just chalk this up to the shutdown, right? The the government shutdown, Blog Talk Radio yep. shutdown, everything is shut down. Can't yeah. can't have anything fixed. We're lucky shut we're able to get. Down. Lucky to get in and out of the port down in New Orleans for our cruise uh, because the government shut down. We're, we're completely lucky that they allowed us to do that. We could have been stuck out at sea with all of that going on. Like that? Well, that that wouldn't have been the worst thing, would it? You would have if the uh, engine blew and we had another uh, shit boat situation where there's just shit all over the boat because the toilets aren't working. And uh, believe me, I was in fear of that. 
And, well, you know, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but if the buffet ran out of food, you're the first one they would have eaten. No, I wasn't. There were plenty of people uh, as big as me or bigger <laughs> because it's a cruise. And people take cruises so for the free food. So believe so me, there's plenty of, plenty of porkers. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would not have been the first one. Well, first one would have been the best. I can make I can make fat jokes because I'm fat. So, yeah. you people would have been the ones that, out that there, people out there who can't do that. What do you mean, you people? That's right. Uh, now the first ones would have been the ones in wheelchairs that can't that that, that aren't mobile at all. They're just stuck and, and they can't move and they can't go anywhere. That those would have been the first ones to go down. There's okay. a lot of those. Not quite like the uh, the casinos down here in Tunica where there's uh, people in wheelchairs with the oxygen tanks and smoking while they're at the uh, at the tables and whatnot. It's not quite that bad, but uh, there, there were enough uh, very immobile people. Uh, I, I would not have been first. I I went to the gym one day on the cruise. I actually went into what? the gym and I know, me, and lifted some weights. I actually went to the gym during the cruise one time. I meant to go more than once, but one was enough. Well, One was more than You're all my other times combined. Exactly. I figured you were just making room for the next go-round at the buffet. <laughs> I, I was trying to relax the rest of the cruise. That was the second day I was on the boat. I, I actually went to the gym and, and lifted a few weights or two. Uh, but That was just eating and eating and eating and, and enjoying myself and relaxing. Like the last day, I barely got out to bed. So, oh, wow. But I okay. did good to go that one time. Well, you had, a, you had a good time, I'm guessing. Oh, we had a great time. We had an absolutely excellent, awesome time. Um, okay. Well, that, that, that's way better than what you normally say. I'm not even going to complain too much about the – very windy conditions that had the boat rocking uh, all six days that we were there. Um, I'm not going to complain about that because I still had a great time nonetheless. I'm not going to, I'm not going to complain about it being a Christmas cruise where there were literally 1100 children on this cruise. They counted literally 1100 kids. Uh, And and I'm not going to complain about them at all hours of the night just running up and down the hallway, you you hear uh, it's midnight, it's six in the morning. It's no matter what time it was, you hear you just hear. And I'm like, why are they running? What are they? What are they running to? What stop running? I'm not gonna even complain about that. We had a great time. I'm not gonna complain about that at all. We had a wonderful time, nonetheless. Well, good. I'm also not gonna complain too much about we. Uh, I didn't hear that. What was that? No, I was gonna say you had a good birthday, you had a good Christmas. You know, you're back, you're ready to go. You you didn't have to watch those football games last last Sunday and Monday, so that's even that's an even bigger bonus. That's true. Um, I, I they they had the uh, Steelers and the um, and the Saints game. Uh, they uh, on the on like the big theater screen. They they actually had it in the in the daily program as as part of uh, the activities that you could go to. 
the big theater and watch uh, and watch the football game, and I didn't do it because I'm on vacation. I was trying to avoid all football. I was trying to avoid all of that. As big a fan as I am, and I host a football podcast and everything, I was intentionally trying to make sure that I decompressed and, and disconnected from the outside world and. And I managed to to not go to the to the theater. I told my wife I want husband points for that because I could have left her and went to go watch football with a lot of other guys. I'm sure that that did do that, but I did not do that. Um, so I managed to uh, yeah avoid all that football on Sunday. Uh, and I wanted to uh, I want I kind of wanted to go, but I kind of didn't want to go because I know me if I go. Now I'm back in in football. Now I know I need to know the results of all the other games, and I need to figure out who did what, and and you know who's in the playoffs, and who clinched divisions, and this, that, and the other. And I didn't even want to open that floodgate, so I just completely abstained altogether. So, but yeah, now I'm back and and ready to talk about some football and break down some football. Yeah, you uh, you texted me uh, when I got back uh, to, to to land, and you said that there were so many games that flipped at the last second as far as the point spreads go and then that I was lucky I didn't have to watch a lot of these games and uh, you, you were correct when you told me that you think we split and, and had an even record again uh, in week 16. We did indeed both go seven and nine, uh, third straight week that we had the exact same record, which is very, very strange. Um, but yeah, you're going to have to be the one to mostly break down uh, the interesting events of week 16 because I really don't have much to add outside of watching a Uh-oh. Jason, are you there? So, so yeah, I'll tell you, here's what's happening. Is you're, you're, you talk, and then every couple of minutes you kind of cut out for about five or ten seconds. Oh, that's not good. So, yeah, so I, I hear you good, but, yeah, if I, if I, I catch, you know, you catch a stretch where it just kind of goes silent for a few minutes, and then, and then you're fine. <laughs> so, Boy, that, and then it goes that's the only back, connection but, we got, though, is, but if it if it uh, if it happens to be that it cuts out on you where you're segueing it over to me and I miss it that that's what it is. So if it's dead air, uh, you know if you're tossing it over to me for something, I and I don't catch it. That's probably what I'm hearing. So uh, I, I I heard you start setting me up there for going through the week 16 uh, games and yeah, it is, you know both our both our locks got crapped out on Saturday. So yay us, right? <laughs> right. That 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 was a, that was the great start to our weekend, you know. The Titans uh, taking care of business, but not covering and uh, not covering by a fairly slim margin. And then the Ravens just absolutely took the Chargers. I couldn't believe took them to the woodshed. I could not believe that twenty-two to ten final. And it wasn't. I don't think it was that close. That was just an absolute domination of the Chargers' offense by the Ravens' defense and. You know, thanks to the thanks to the Steelers, you know, doing what they've been doing, it, it, it's the Ravens' division to win now. And people can blame the officiating all they want to in that Steelers. I don't think Steelers fans after that Seahawks uh, Steelers Super Bowl ever get the right to complain about officiating ever again. <laughs> but there was there was some bad calls. There was some really bad calls in that Steelers Saints game. But let's 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 just you know and this is where I don't want to hear the whining from Steelers fans. You lost to the Broncos, you lost to the Raiders. 
that's why you're not going to go to the playoffs. If you, if you don't go, it's not going to be because you got hosed on a couple of bad calls against a far superior team in the Saints. A team that they played very well. I expected them to hang in there, and they did. And I, and I thought they could even go in there and potentially win the game. But it, it, it just, you know, sometimes it just doesn't go your way, and there's going to be there's going to be bad calls. And if you're in a spot where you're, you're letting another team hang around, or they're going to benefit, you, you still got to play through it. You still got to win the game. And they weren't good enough to do it. Oh, so there you have it. Hello? You play to win the game. Uh, I, I guess I, I don't want to, you know, we don't want to get too, I don't want to get too deep in the, in the, some of the, you know, the games that really didn't matter much, but uh, the white mouse got you again. Oh my God. The, Arizona Cardinals, I'll tell you. We repeat, the white mouse will not explode. No, you again? So I got a little uh, parlor trick for later when we make our week 17 picks. It's already random as fuck anyway because it's week 17. But I went back and uh, on the uh, NFLPickWatch.com site where you can break down which teams you are the, the best against and which teams you are the worst against. There's two games this week that are featuring teams in which I am under 500 picking both of the teams involved in, in those two games uh, this week. I gave a full breakdown of each one of those games and figured out who I wanted point spread wise in that game. And then I'm going to go pick the opposite because what the hell? Uh, it's week 17. I don't know anyway. It's week so 17. I, gonna, I might as well. Is it fair to guess that the Cardinals are one of those teams? I believe I'm under 500 picking the Cardinals this season, uh, probably well under 500. However, the team they're playing against, I'm not under 500. Therefore, uh, that game is safe from uh, from that little trick oh, that I'm going okay. to You're talking about you've got two games where you're under 500 with both teams. That's right. Okay. And, and for that game, and I'll, I'll have it italicized on the website when I put the picks up on the blog. So, I'll describe it in the in the description on the blog. You'll know exactly what's going on there. Two games where I'm picking on purpose the exact opposite of who I want in those games because I clearly don't know what the fuck I want in those. And, and, the, well, and the Cardinals should be one of those teams, but like I said, I actually am not under 500 with their opponents, so therefore I'm just going to try to wing it again with them one more time. Okay. Well, they, but yeah, I, 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 you keep gifting me these wins with the uh... – with the Cardinals, and I've fallen into the trap myself, but I, I think I knew better <laughs> lately. I think the last couple of weeks after after we made the joke and and fell headfirst into that, I think I've I've done right by staying away, even against the Rams, who've done absolutely nothing in the second half of the season. Even the Rams could, you know, completely blow out the Cardinals. Yeah, that's uh, when I saw that result. When I got back, I was like, yeah. Yeah, uh, should have been expected. Even the Rams, like you said, the Rams have been playing like complete garbage, but they even they woke up and righted the ship against the Cardinals. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know, speaking of we 
we wouldn't we wouldn't be able to talk about the games last week without talking about some of the phenomenally cheap covers that you and I got one over the other. Um, I'll start with the Bengals and the Browns, where I get two complete garbage time touchdowns from the Bengals to make that game close. And I mean, the Browns had that game in the bag, and I want to say within the last six minutes of the fourth quarter, the Bengals got two just complete gift touchdowns by a, a Browns team that was on cruise control to take a 10-point line and, and cover at eight. So I, I felt good about that one. You then, however, get a completely less, even more garbage time touchdown by the Bills to cover the big number against the Patriots. So that that one went your way. So it was like we were kind of like canceling each other out. I got a phenomenally cheap last-second field goal win with the Eagles over the Texans after the Texans had taken a late lead. So there was a lot of that this week. That's why I said it was a good thing you were gone because of just the, the cheapness of the covers was was really bad. And that's been a sort of a theme all year. Uh, we both pulled out, I believe we both pulled out an extremely cheap win with the Packers who had to come back uh, They had to come back to beat the Jets. I mean, the Jets were completely dominating that game. And, you know, neither team could stop the other on on defense. So once the Packers won the toss, uh, coin toss in overtime, I knew the game was over. So I knew we were going to – you just had a feeling. And Aaron Rodgers just drove him right down and was like, ah, screw it. I mean, it got to the point Aaron Rodgers just started calling his own number in that game. I believe he had two rushing touchdowns for the first time in, like, seven years. This is the guy who's running on one leg. Yeah, he, just, he, the, just had, uh, he had enough. <laughs> I think Aaron Rodgers had the breaking point where that defense gives up 38 to the Jets. And I just, did that, see the stat uh, yeah. on that one that Rodgers is uh, the only guy to throw for 400 yards and two touchdowns and then also rush for two touchdowns all in the same game, and he's done it twice. Oh. So he's well, pretty okay. good. He's decent. That Packers defense, not decent. Not good. <laughs> no. You cannot let Sam Darnold look like, you know, Joe Montana for three and a half quarters of that football game. But they 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 pulled together everything that they had to not go 0 and eight on the road. And that's what we were we were kinda hoping for. We we picked them because yeah. of that. Look, they gotta win one road game, right? They just they gotta. I mean, and they did. So, so, so kudos to them. They pulled it out. Uh, the Colts also had to gut out a last-second win over the Giants, which I did not see coming. The Giants were, the Giants were very game, uh, which I believe you actually, I believe you had the Giants to win. Yeah, why not? They they've been playing decently. You know, ever since they got eliminated from playoff contention, they actually look like they've been playing a little better. And also, Odo Beckham being out is probably better for Eli Manning's psyche. And you didn't need them to win, but they almost got you that too. So if you were right. betting the Giants' money line, you would have been all right. Uh, you would have been uh, really hoping for a big payday. Yeah. yeah. Uh, your, your Bears kind of – your Bears skated by. They managed to get a uh, – they managed to cover the number and hand us a loss. So, you know, they, they won by five when they were favored by four. So that was – 
you know, not not the most impressive win, but they went on the road and, and they held down a 49ers team that has been very explosive on offense at home. So they held them to nine. And that was good enough. Touchdowns usually will beat out field goals, and, and that was the case. And the, the uh, Chiefs and Steelers was about exactly what we expected. You couldn't have a game that we nailed more than than that Monday night game with the Chiefs and the Seahawks, where, where basically you get – I'm sorry, the uh, Sunday night game. Nobody cared about the Monday night game, although we both had the Raiders, so go on. Go that one too. Stupid, stupid shit happens on Monday nights when the Raiders yeah. are – Leaving Oakland, yay Murga, Murga. Uh, that Sunday night, yeah, that Chiefs uh, Seahawks game. Yeah, Chiefs Chiefs put up a lot of points and gave up more. That, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a breakdown in much less detail, folks. Um, yeah, I I gave you that KC Seattle breakdown. Think of every Chiefs loss, right? All their losses have been the quality yes. opponents by small margin. But in high-scoring games, that's this is the way the Chiefs lose. Everybody knows that that's how they lose. They they're going to put up a bunch of points on you, and they're going to sometimes give up more. If you're if you if you can hang around, if you're focused enough to hang around with them, you can outscore them in the fourth and pull out a victory because they give you a chance. They will always give you a chance. Whoever's losing with game. I hope whoever's listening cash that KC Seattle over because I told you about. A perfect matchup of elite offenses versus subpar defenses, running and passing. Just no resistance on either side and all the explosion that you could want on the offensive side. And I said, whatever that over-under is, take the over. And I'm sure whatever the over-under was, that went over. So I gave you all a good one. That that, that would have been my lock. If we were doing uh, – if we were counting over-unders as well as the points fairs, that would have been my real lock of the week, and I, and I would have actually gotten that one right. But – uh, that's too complicated to start oh. counting that because then we'd, we'd, we'd really uh, run out of time if we were trying to break the, the over-under numbers down as well. But but that was a winner right there. No, I, you know, because everything we do at the end of the season is all points-based. I'm sure we could fit in over-unders if we wanted to. Oh. Figure oh, out could. a way. To... Our, our, our wives would divorce us. We'd be taking even more <laughs> of our time. <laughs> Now, yeah, I, but but I would not have gambled that that would have been the second highest scoring game of the week after Packers and Jets, right? By a lot. That 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 bet would uh, I would have lost that one by a mile, absolutely. Yeah. If there was a prop bet out there for what's the highest scoring game of the week going to be, if you had Packers Jets, you probably <laughs> made a lot of money. That's probably twenty to one odds you could have gotten on that if, if they did have that prop. Yeah. Uh, so, any were there any so games they missed? you really wanted uh, to talk about or things that you wanted to touch um, on a little detail? I mean, obviously it shook out. A lot of the playoff scenarios shook out, so there's very little. This is one of the, the quieter week 17s for playoff scenarios. Well, there's a lot of uh, – yeah, there's not that many teams that have to decide anything, but there's a lot of different yeah. machinations within the, the divisions and the wild cards. And, yeah, there's a lot uh, of I, yeah, just for an example, I can't believe the New England Patriots have a path to go 11-5 and five and be the number one seed in the AFC if uh, oh. certain things shake out, which is of just, just unbelievable. Of course they do. Because <laughs> it's the Patriots, right? Because things <laughs> just seem to go their way. Yeah. Uh, if that happens, I'm, I'm, I'm through. I'm just 
I'm through with the NFL if the Patriots get the number one seed. Because that's just ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Now, there's uh, uh, some things to to touch on that I, I you know, admittedly am going to be touching on with not that much reference because I can only reference maybe, you know, one or two minute highlight packages that I've seen in the last day or two. But uh, the, the one thing I did, the first thing I did when I got back home uh, Thursday was I did watch the entirety of uh, Ravens um, Chargers because I wanted to see just how uh, Baltimore went into the the Chargers, uh, went into their house and, and handled them. And that was a, a very impressive outing defensively. And Lamar Jackson, that was my first time getting to see him in extended action. Um, and my impression was, yeah, I can see the, the Michael Vick comparison in this respect, that when he takes off running, you almost have no chance because he's just that fast. And then when he sets up and finally decides, I'm actually going to throw the ball, that ball gets there, man. He, that ball gets there in a hurry. Uh, it's not exactly accurate. It's not exactly a lot of touch on it, but it gets there. So he's got that rare combination of the, the very speedy legs and the very powerful arm. And you kind of want to start salivating when you get a combination like that because if you can coach some touch into him and, and coach some you know game – management skills and game awareness uh, is like the uh, Madden. You want to get that awareness rating up. If you can do that, uh, you got something special on your hands. So that, that, that was uh, an impressive outing that showed me some real potential with Lamar Jackson. I'm sure a lot of other people that have seen him have already seen that potential, but that was my first time ever getting to see some extended action out of him. And, and that's what I came away uh, impressed with uh, by him, but also the, that Ravens defense, man. <laughs> They know how to play. They know how to play as a team. They know how to cover whatever weapons are out there. They they got you covered, whether it's zone, whether it's man. They got you. You you really gonna have to work very 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 hard to get open if you're a receiver trying to bust up that Raven secondary because they really know how to to lock you down. So they're gonna be very very tough for whoever has to play them in the playoffs. Uh, if they make the playoffs, right? I mean, is is that that's if, still on the well, table, isn't it? Now, are it they is. are they uh, in? Are they in automatically? Are they? I mean, are they? But I I believe that they're not just in because the Steelers could still win the division, and you'll have the, the Chargers or the, the Chiefs. Division. The Chargers or the Chiefs are going to be one of the um, wild cards for sure. And I am pretty sure that no matter what happens tomorrow, that game tomorrow night is basically a play-in game. I, I know one of the options would be that if those two teams tied, it opens up the door for... <laughs> um, right. I'm not... Uh, I don't pay attention to the tie scenarios because it's right. so I unlikely. Do, I do believe that that's a play-in game tomorrow night. So I have a feeling that it's Ravens win and Steelers are pretty much dead. And if the Ravens lose and the Steelers win, that's the Steelers and the Ravens are out. I think those two teams are are looking at knocking, you know, potentially one or the other out. Yeah, that's uh, quite amazing. And yeah, that's that's what's on the line tomorrow. Uh, it's a, it, like I said, there's a lot of things that can happen up and down for those teams that are all sort of in that ball there. Um, yeah, there is a, a way that the Ravens uh, and the Steelers uh, have they, they have ways to get in and they have ways to get out. They're, they're definitely not 
completely locked up at all. So uh, they can all they can still win the division. Uh, they can uh, Baltimore can get a uh, can win the division and get and still get a bye if a lot of different things happen. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of different weirdness going on there. And but, I know uh, as well that the uh, the Colts and the Titans could both win the division if Houston loses tomorrow. Colts. That's right. The Colts can, and the Titans would be uh, – the, the winner would uh, uh, get the uh, AFC South title if the Texans were to lose uh, earlier in the day. That's, that's absolutely correct. If they were to lose to Blake Bortles and the Jaguars. Uh, so I – Week seventeen. But don't hey, pretend like no, don't pretend like we know. Weirder things have happened. That's absolutely true. Uh, yeah, some other brief uh, observations for week sixteen. Uh, the refs in the Saints Steelers game that I finally got to watch some of that uh, were just awful. That game was uh, yeah. setting up to be really, really uh, uh, sort of a classic type battle and, and, and to me the refs ruined it again is one of those things where the referees can ruin a game, can ruin the, the, the viewing experience for a fan just sitting at home and, and some of those calls were like why are you calling that interference call? Why are you not calling that interference call? Why are you doing this? Why, why are you blowing the whistle, taking a five minute conversation, check the kettle, uh, taking a tea break and, and just sitting back and, and having a conversation and then going to the microphone and saying, there's no flag. We picked it up. We're, we're good. Like what, why are we uh, completely ruining the game like that, ruining it for the, for the athletes on the field as well as the people watching? It's just uh, ridiculous. Some of these, it, again, the refereeing is a very, very difficult job, but sometimes the, the, when it's bad, it's really bad. It, it really stands out when you have a bad refereed game, and that's what you have with that game, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, and unfortunately, the call that has been the one that's been the most talked about is the Joe Hayden pass interference in the end zone. Where I mean, the ball was like ten feet over everybody's head, and yeah. basically Hayden's just got his hand barely on the back of the receiver. It's not like he pushed off the receiver for leverage or shoved him out of the way to try to jump. He was just behind him, and he had his hand up, and and the ref called that. Interference, and what was really even worse about that is, I believe it was a change of possession play. That was a fourth down play. Yeah, and that turns into first and goal at the one yard line, and the and the Saints go right in, and you just yeah, that that I mean, people are like, well, you can't just blame it all on one call, but that would you can when it's the one that sort of sets the tone for the whole game. Yeah, so that was a pretty big one. Yeah, it was, and that was, and, and not only that, but it was such a bad call. Universally, <laughs> everybody looked at that and was like, ah, you know, the announcers. What are you looking at? Yeah, yeah, that back judge who, who threw that flag. I don't know what he was looking at or what he thought he saw, but there was no pass interference on that. No. Uh, so that so that was bad. Um, the Eagles, I got to give them a little love and a little props. You can't stop the undeniable Nick Foles, I guess. He's just going to work his magic and, and keep doing what he does. Uh, the Mary Thomas went down one. in that game for the yeah. Texans, right? You you had that one. Again, two weeks in a row, I've been riding that Nick Foles train. And it might and still might not be those. enough to get them into the playoffs. It, it might not, but but it might. They have a pass. 
it's right there. There's for them. A, no, there's a very very clear pathway for them. All they have to do is win and the have the Vikings lose and the Eagles are in. Amazing. After all that, they they can be right there to get in. Uh, and New England and Buffalo uh, that you talked about, the the game plan was what fascinated me about that. I understand I got the cheap comeback for the for the cover cool. with the Buffalo Bills. But Very uh, New England, <laughs> it was just fascinating to watch New England, who knew going into that game they're not going to be able to throw on Buffalo because their defenders, their secondary is very talented, and the the pass rush and the pressure will put Tom Brady down again. So they just said, fuck it. You know what? We're, we, we don't have Josh Gordon anymore. Our receivers are not consistent. Gronk is old and broke down. Uh, now we're just going to run. We're just going to run and run and run and, and keep running and run some more and uh, – that, that's the top-ranked pass defense that they played against uh, uh, the Buffalo Bills, and they made the decision. Josh McDaniels and the, and the Patriots made the conscious decision. We got our great Hall of Fame quarterback, the GOAT, the greatest. He's Tommy. You got to love Tom Brady. We're just not going to use him very much. We're, we're just going to we're going to win this game by running the ball. And damn it, if that's not what they did, it wasn't quite enough to cover. But uh, I was still. Uh, impressed by the game plan and the adjustment uh, that the Patriots can make. They can make some adjustments uh, when they have to. So uh, we'll, we'll see how far they go uh, trying to do this new style. I don't know if they're going to keep that up or not, but uh, that also kind of points out how lousy the the passing game might be now that Josh Gordon isn't there to open things up. So that, that might be uh, something where they're sort of conceding, you know what, we're not very good throwing the ball, and, and we know yeah, well, and that'll work against the Bills. Yeah, the, the Bills allowed them to, to gash them underground. Yeah, so, you know, when we knew they had a couple of cream puff games here, Bills, Jets here at the end of the season, although I don't know, the Jets put up 38. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord. But, no, I, yeah, that was that, I had that I had that one completely in hand. And, you know, after getting the cheap, you know, one of the other cheap covers that I had off you, I, I – it just felt like it was all going to even out, and you had I had this weird feeling going into the afternoon games where I needed two of them. I believe I had to get two on you, uh, and I believe I had Steelers and uh, Rams, and I and I kind of needed both of those, and and I got them both, you know. And I just had a weird feeling like you know I had to believe that I'm two and you know I'm two and four against you for the week at that point, but I was feeling confident that I was going to even you out, and I did. Well, if uh, Antonio Brown doesn't get on the same page with uh, Ben Roethlisberger, and I don't know if the uh, Steelers hang around in that game, but they hooked up and really did start communicating and connecting. So that was the, the big difference that it looked like to me that uh, once they hook up, uh, the Steelers' offense looks like a, a completely different animal. So uh, I don't know how long that's going to last either, but they well, it doesn't look like it. If the Steelers end up staying home for the playoffs, they got nobody to blame but themselves, right? Oh, sure. Uh, as, as always. Oh, and in that game, um, what the hell was uh, uh, on that fake punt that everyone's been talking about, which was, yeah, it was a bad decision. Uh, to yeah. Try to get a, a fullback dive uh, for five yards on a, on a fake punt on fourth down. Uh, so that's just fucked up right off the bat. But what the hell? But did you you, you saw the play? You saw uh, the the back Roosevelt Knicks uh, stopped a yard, yard and a half short of the first down. Get up and start dancing and and pointing down the field like he got the first down. Like what are you doing? You 
Can you not see you know, that the marker is nowhere near where you're laying? What are you doing? He, he felt like he got it. He was like, yeah, that was a yard. <laughs> it had to be a yard. <sighs> no, you needed five, and you got three and a half. So I don't know what you were looking at. Uh, so. he, he felt like he had a good but, momentum going. Hey, ass clown, you, you didn't get it. What are, what are you dancing for? Uh, and, and, you know, the first thing that popped in my mind when I saw that is the way you talk about Mike Tomlin and the culture of the locker room yeah. and how they seem to be undisciplined and, and sort of do their own thing. And that's another one that sort of falls into that same folder as far as I'm concerned because you, you think anyone's doing that on Bill Belichick's team, the, going for a, a fake punt and getting up and gesticulating and going through all the motions like they got it and they're a yard and a half short? You think that's that's happening at all? On, on the New England Patriots, because I don't think that's ever going to happen. See, you know, and I, I bet. I, do you think they could have made one of those? Was that Southwest Airlines commercials? You know, the old "Want to Get Away" commercials. Do you think they could have done that for him? <laughs> yeah, I believe they definitely could have. Thank you, Detroit. We love you. That's right. Um, Detroit was last night. What? Uh, yeah, I, I didn't that's get the, the first down. What? I see the same look on Roosevelt Nixon's face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Want to get away? At least, he wasn't at, home. at least he wasn't in Pittsburgh at Heinz Field doing that. <laughs> that would have been even worse. Uh, and so, you know, now that now that Mike McCarthy's been fired and I have nobody else to set my sights on, I guess i got to go on Tomlin <laughs> now, right? <laughs> You've been you've been talking about it. You've been talking about the I've been harsh. I've been harsh on Mike Tomlin this year. Not in, I mean now that Mike, especially since Mike McCarthy got fired, and I'm so my my sadness. You know, it's like <laughs> I, I I wanted him fired for three years, and then he finally gets fired. I'm like, well, oh man, now I got what do I do? You know what, what you I are. Wanted. You're Jay Mariotti. <laughs> Jay Mariotti would spend years in his columns trying to get a coach fired, and then the coach finally gets fired. Yeah. He's like, you know what? Now what? But no, but no. But what Jay Mariotti would do is, if somebody, if the if the Bears won, keep the coach, and if they lost, it was fire the coach. I don't think I was. I think I was fairly consistent in my approach. Don't lump me in with Mariotti. No, just on that on that angle that you put all your energy towards getting someone fired, and when they finally do, you're kind of looking around like, okay, uh, well, now what do I write? All right, well now I get Mike Tomlin. I, I can't. I, I can't do it about Marvin Lewis because that's just a joke. And Marvin Lewis should have been canned years ago. I mean, years ago. Yeah, that's like universal. You know, that, that that's one of those where everybody knows. And then there's a rumor already starting that you know they're gonna the, the Jets are gonna fire Todd Bowles and someone's gonna get a hell of a defensive coordinator. Sure. I, I mean. He's not panning out as a head coach, which is sad because I really like Todd Bowles coming out of Arizona. But there's going to be a lot of teams that they're going to, you know, going to be one hitting. They're going to have a lot better defense next year. No, no doubt. Uh, there's a team that, that just gave up sweet. 38 points to the Jets on Sunday. They could use a Todd <laughs> Bowles. Just, just, just saying. Just saying. They got to get their. Uh, coaching staff and get everything assembled and arranged and find a new head coach and let him do what he's got to do. So it might be one of those where they take so long to to get a new guy in and Tybo's off the market by that point. So 
but we'll, we'll wait and see how that all shakes out. Well, and, you know, and the, the Packers are going right down the road that I expected them to. Have you seen the, the guys they've been bringing in for, uh, like, potential interviews or people who are rumored? All retreads. All retreads. Yeah. I saw that they uh, – I, I hate to say it, but I saw that they had brought in Jim Caldwell this week. And I looked uh, at I looked at – I looked at one of the guys at my work, and I just said two words: Rooney Rule. <laughs> There's no way Jim Caldwell's getting that job. Yeah, but we interviewed him. We interviewed. We got him. a darkie in here. We interviewed him. <laughs> They're talking about like Chuck Pagano. I'm like, oh my god, no! There is no young hot shot coach who's going to want to take on this Packers job. Is Nobody Pagano wants a alive? I thought he was Pagano. Uh... So another one, another uh, uh, another one that's being talked about is Bruce Arians. I mean, they're going to start digging up people. Well, just dig up oh. bones of, just dig up the bones of Vince Lombardi at this point. Who's the coach that uh, tried to have a coronary on the field? Uh, <laughs> uh, no, the the guy that was in Houston, whose name I can't forget. That, uh, that <laughs> the guy that kept starting Matt Schaub. Oh my God, he tried to die on the field. The Bill O'Brien was that? Was that, that, was that who, I think, no, that's I think that, no. Bill O'Brien's there now, isn't he? He's the guy now. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Uh, Kubiak. Oh sure. Bring it all yeah. the guys that, that try to drop dead on the field. No, the Packers are going to totally just get a retread, and they're basically. I my my I'm already making a prediction that they're going to get a retread coach. He's going to be there until Aaron Rodgers leaves or retires. And then they're both going to be run out of town together, and then they'll bring in the hot shot head coach when they when they draft the sort of the heir apparent, you know. Hmm. There's no hot shot college coach or hot shot offensive coordinator who wants to come in here and, and handle a 36 year old diva quarterback. I, I I don't know. I think there's a few that would want the chance. I don't know if those are the ones that the Packers would want to interview. Those might be the guys that are so desperate to just get out of the college ranks that they'll take anything in the pros. I'm sticking to my original guns back before people started stealing my opinion, saying they need to hire a defensive-minded head coach. (laughs) They could leave Joe Philbin as the OC. I mean, they're clearly the offense is bad. They scored 44 points, for Christ's sake, (laughs) against the Jets. You know, on the road, they put up 44. So the offense wasn't the problem. Put up 44 with who's this? Surrounding talent again, Devontae Adams and uh, who? Devontae Adams, the Equimenius St. Brown. Uh, they were they were down to their uh, backup running back was Jamal Williams, who went off. Uh, and, and and guys, just dudes, just Aaron Rodgers guys. and guys. But if that team could, you know, hold teams under 24 and Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback, you're going to win a lot of games. You'll win 12 games. I'm sure having I, I a good think shot at it, sure. Fix the defense. Fix the defense. Fix the defense. As long as you got Aaron Rodgers and dudes, you can win. Right, so that's my theory. Hopefully, my, I'm not alone on that. Uh, one more observation about week 16 was, yeah, I'm, I'm officially going to take your Falcons uh, to win next year's Super Bowl. I'm, I'm all in. I, I've already declared Uh-oh. it. It's not even, wow. not even the end of – 
the playoffs haven't begun yet for this season, and I've already declared uh, that I'm taking the Atlanta Falcons to, to win the title next year because they're going to build that defense back. They're going to get those guys back for, off the of injury. The offense is still clicking, and they're just going to get the, get the momentum going. They're going to have a nice, easy schedule because of whatever this record is going to wind up being. They're going to get a draft pick to fit somewhere in there. Uh, don't know exactly what position they think they need to draft, but they're going to get a pretty decent draft pick out of that bad record, and they're going to put it all back together, and then they're going to go all the way. So I already got them. Yeah, I, I mean, I, honestly, if, you know, they're, yeah, they're probably picking somewhere around, what do you figure, an 8 to 10 would be my guess, right. somewhere around there. Uh, yeah, no, that needs to be a uh, that needs to be a big time defensive depth type pick or or an old lineman because Matt Ryan still has the uncanny ability to get sacked on every third down. And that I think I would I could see that the the defense again I always you know I remember the beginning of the year where I read off the names of each starter and said oh, yeah. show me the weakness there. So I don't know if they even need another defender more so than maybe yeah a, a good uh, a good right tackle to. To, to help protect uh, Matty Ice, uh, maybe that's what they really need. So I, I, I can see an offensive lineman uh, in, at, at eight to ten, something like that. Especially now that you know in the NFL, if you're picking at, at seven or eight or nine, you're really picking five or six because the top three teams on the board are going to completely lose their shit and draft it way over draft a quarterback. It sure seems like it. So you get all these teams yeah, that are picky. So there's nothing, there's no shame in picking five anymore. Yeah, that's a, a good thing to remember and point out. At this time of the year, when there's no, not hardly any quarterbacks being talked about as far as the draft goes, I, I'm not going to go find a mock draft right now because it's silly. But, like, when Andrew Luck went number one, at this time, during bowl season, everyone's talking about how great Andrew Luck is. He's clearly going to be the, the number right. one guy off the board. But right now, there's no quarterback getting that kind of sizzle, that kind of buzz. And then by the time the draft comes, oh, this guy is going to be clearly the number one pick on the – no, he, he really isn't that good because nobody's talking about him before the draft. But because it's a quarterback and people want quarterbacks that bad, then eventually they choose somebody to – to talk up and say that he's going to be the one, whoever the guy is that tests the best at the combine and has the, the strongest arm in yeah. the combine and all in his private workouts and whatnot. That's the, that's the guy that winds up being number one, but think about and remember this time of year right now in late December when no quarterback is getting that kind of talk and that kind of hype. And that should tell you uh, how good the guy is. Cause if he was any good, they'd be talking about him right now. Yeah. And the only, the only quarterback I've, I've even got it on my radar is this one who lit up Notre Dame today, this kid from Clemson, who I'd never heard of. Yeah. I don't even know who, who yeah. that could be. I don't know who you're talking about. And, yeah. Never heard of him before. Saw his stat line. Saw he was just, he just completely obliterated Notre Dame, which makes me very happy. Um, the other thing I can tell you, well, the other game is going on right now. The other thing I can tell you 100% that I'm sure of is Tyler Murray. Good, good pick by going to baseball, buddy. That's a good pick. <laughs> oh, he's not uh, he's not lighting it up. Uh, no, he he's getting. Uh, I believe the word is uh, chumped. When you are Ooh. nine of twenty for one forty nine, that that's not going to get it done. That sounds like a double A shortstop. That's what that sounds like. Yeah, yeah. So he's going to go play for the Oakland A's, and so now Tua on the other side at this point in the game is sixteen of nineteen for two thirty with two touchdowns. 
Uh-oh, he's going to be the number one draft pick. Oh, probably. He'll be way overdrafted. <laughs> but you know with the NFL now, the way the, the way the the way the schemes and the offense and everything are, it, it's so easy to draft these guys now, you know. You're not tied to them for as much money anymore. You can see these offenses now are t- are tailored to the quarterback, you know. We've already compared uh, Lamar Jackson in, in some ways to, to like even Tebow, you know, or you compared him to Michael Vick. Um, guys who are probably way ahead of them. Could you imagine Michael Vick in his prime in the NFL now? Ooh. With the rules the way yeah, you they are, can't touch the quarterback? Can't touch the quarterback. Well, guys like him and maybe Cam and Ben uh, still might be in the same boat. They're so athletic and they're so looking for contact that they don't get those flags that Tom Brady gives if you lovingly graze his helmet with your little finger. Uh, they don't. He, he might be in that situation where he doesn't get quite the same calls. And Russell Wilson, I don't think, gets those same calls either. But, no, what would be uh, a big deal is any long bomb that Vic unleashes, uh, now you get pass interference for a 60-yard bomb in the air because the defender just happened to bump the receiver while trying to make a play on the ball. And now you get uh, drives instead of uh, coming to an end for, for Vic, they would be down at the one-yard line, and they can uh, send them in for a, score, for a score from there. So he'd be more successful with that, with that rule change since he was playing. Uh, but, yeah, he he was uh, he was special then. He'd be the, even more special now. Uh, it, I'd, I'd love to see his game with some of these uh, linebackers out here, uh, you know, the Telvin Smiths and, and the guys like that who uh, have almost uh, – Bobby Wagner's – they have almost the four, 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 five speed uh, that the linebackers that, that when Vic was in his prime didn't quite have. So that would be one adjustment that maybe would go slightly against him. There's a maybe a little uh, faster athlete out there trying to chase him around, but he was his his speed was so elite that uh, I, I don't know if it would make too much of a difference. I think he might run past a lot of those guys too. I don't think it would really matter too much. So, all right. Well, that was a lot more than I expected to talk about week 16. Yeah, I just kind of threw out a couple of talking points that I was able to pick up on some of these podcasts that I've heard in the last couple of days. It's been a bit of a whirlwind last two days. I got home Thursday night. I watched a little football. I had to work Friday and uh, today. And so I was able to just fit in a few podcasts here and there and, and watch a few highlight shows. But, uh, not too big of a grip on what happened last week, but but I'm just looking at and, and I don't have really much of a grip on this week either, week 17, just because it's week 17. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get these. What I'm excited about is uh, the NFL pick watch that I'm uh, still I, I managed to stay number one. I'm still two wow. games clear of anybody else uh, with one week to go. So it, it's all on me now. As so long as I don't completely gag it up here in week 17. Uh, and I'll be able to, to take that home. So I'm, I'm hoping and wishing to get my fingers crossed while I make these picks that I really have no idea what, what the hell I'm picking here. So you're trying to avoid a Jim Sorgi moment here. Oh, see, that's that's why I can tell you you don't like me very much. We might be best friends, but you don't really like me. If you're going to bring that up and throw that in my face, that means you don't really like me very much. I, uh, you know how I feel about Jim Sorgi. i got to get in your head. Uh, make up some ground on you. I mean, I know your percentage has started to normalize at least a little bit, but I still got to get you back down to me here. I got to have a chance in the playoffs. A chance. Just a chance. 
So I'm sitting uh, for us at uh, I'm at uh, 557 on the season, and you're now at 481. So yeah, uh, strange things have happened, uh, but yeah, I'm sure you would love to take another big chunk out of me here in week 17 before we start our, our playoffs here. And the lock, of course, is on the line uh, to get that extra point. We're both tied at nine in lock, so if neither one of us can, can get one on the other here in week 17, then we're going to wind up uh, with nobody getting that extra point for, for the locks. But but it's up in the air. If you can win the lock and I miss mine, then it's, it's all yours. So, And, and I, like I said, I got the two picks that I've got italicized that – I I actually have picked the opposite of what I'm going to wind up picking, but I'm going to wind up picking the opposite because that's how little I I know about these two teams. Uh, that I'm, I, I'm under 500 with these two teams. I'm just going to go ahead and pick the opposite. I've never done that before. I've never decided that I like this team and that I'm going to pick the opposite on purpose just because. But uh, because that's a new strategy. I like that. And in my hand, I am holding the in much less detail official. I predict dime. I predict. Hey, you gotta say it like you mean it. So I'm digging. So I'm digging through Ugh. the jug, looking for a dime. My wife's making fun of me. Like, well, why does it have to be a dime? Well, I mean, that's because that's <laughs> it's tradition. Well, you're on. You know, it's kind of like she's insinuating. Like, well, you're on radio. Who's gonna know? <laughs> you know, like she just doesn't get these things. Matter. She didn't get it. But, you know. It's always been a dime, and that's just what it is, right? That's our thing. It's one of our things. It has to be a dime. Well, yeah. It's, it's got to. I kind of kind of felt dumb when I was digging through there trying to find it. I think everything is <laughs> a dime at this point too, so it's getting frustrating. I'm like, corner, little chains falling on the floor. And I'm like, hey, dime. Like I'm gonna go through this whole giant uh, jug of coins. There's gonna be no dimes. <laughs> I soldiered on, and I have the dime, the official coin of, in much less detail, the podcast. We appreciate your sacrifice and, and soldiering on it. Uh, all these years that I've been doing the coin flip, I've had this, it was the same dime, too, just for that reason. I wanted to avoid having to dig and find another dime. So I had the one <laughs> dime, and I just kept, I set it right here the whole time for the, until, until yeah. next year. It was sitting right here next to me. And I didn't have to worry about finding another dime. So you got that one dime. You have to put that now in a special place to make sure you don't I lose do. it because you don't want to have to go through that again. I'm to put it in a little glass box on a velvet pillow. Yes. In a glass and, case. And put it under a spotlight. That's right. <laughs> on a pedestal. Make sure, to, <laughs> make sure the kids know do not touch that dime under no that's, circumstance. A dime is official. Yes. That's And then. For people who've never heard the story, this all started because when we started doing this, you just happened to reach up on top of your computer desk, which at the time I can attest was basically just a like a graveyard for change. Covered in loose change, yes. And you grabbed a dime, and that was it. That's the story. And that's why it has to be a dime. And that's yes, why it's a dime. Stupid. Yes. Well, I mean, come on. What? Where else can you go to have people picking – all the professional football games realize that week 17 is such a joke that we compete against a coin. Yeah. Before you laugh at the coin, make your picks this week and get back to me tomorrow night. If you do better than the coin, but if you don't, then you have no reason. The coin coin has gone 12 and four multiple times. 
coin has kicked our ass over the years. <laughs> I would say we have more losing records against the dime than than winning records. I mean, the first time we finally beat the dime was like the probably the seventh or eighth year of using it. And we wanted to throw a party because we were like, oh, my yeah. God, we both beat the dime. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah up until that point, one of us or both, one of us had beaten it a couple of times. But there had not been a year where we both beat the dime. So that was a huge thing. Yeah, we've been doing this at least 10 years with the dime. And the dime has a, not just a better record than both of us in that 10 years, probably a significantly better record. So, yeah. Uh, like if people 17 took, is a coin flip, and we're not joking. If people took our dime picks to Vegas over the 10 or plus years that we've been doing it, they'd have won money, I guess is what we're saying. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the dime was over 500 in those 10 years, yeah. Yeah. We can we get to week 17, and, you know, we, we've got an hour to go, and we got a little, like, we need a little extra time, you know, and that, there's not a ton to talk about in some of these games, but we do have to flip the coin. That's right. How's it, the uh, sound? Am, am I am I any clearer? You have not cut out in a while, which means you're due for it, and uh, you sound <laughs> fine. Yeah, I'm I'm on the uh, I'm on the little headset. The, the only other thing I could do was is, is take the headset off and go that route. But uh, if you oh, say I'm oh, doing you okay, oh, then you I'll... haven't been able to. You haven't tried. No, yeah, I can't even. I don't even think I can try calling in on the. Uh, Direct connect line. I don't yeah. even know if I wanted. To. I, I've been trying uh, to to connect through the computer uh, this whole the whole show, and it's still not allowing me. It's just not working at all. I don't know if that's everybody on Blog Talk Radio or just us, but it's not connecting at all through the computer. There's, completely there's not at all. Vacation, right? That's what I figure. No, there's nobody in their offices right now. Nobody cares. They're all on vacation. It seems to be uh, around the Christmas holidays when that connection issue gets worse and worse and worse. So, yeah, that, that's my theory. So, uh, I'm trying to, now I'm going to make sure I remember here, we do the, when we do the coin flip, heads is the favorite, tails is the underdog. Correct. So, I know I, we were some confusion a few years ago that heads was the home team and tails was the road team, but I know we have officially now settled that when I flip the coin, heads is favorite, tails is underdog. Yes, I could easily do it where it's home team, road team, but no, that's how I did it the first time was uh, favorite versus underdog, so that's the official way to do it. Well, that's better from a gambling perspective. This is a ostensibly a gambling show. Yeah, this isn't a coin flip for the straight-up pick, although that's also a little random in Week 17, but uh, yeah. but no, this is for the, the point spread that we're doing this, and Trying to figure out the, how to play the numbers. And, 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 and it's, as always, some of these spreads in Week 17 are kind of jaw-dropping. Like, really? That, really? Okay. Uh, there's, just, there's three I, spreads I tried, of 14 or more, for instance. I tried, I tried not to get too caught up in the Week 17 logic, so I'm hoping that doesn't bite me in the ass. I'm trying to play this week as straight as possible, which means it's probably going to be a massive disaster. <laughs> That's usually a way to, to lose a lot of picks, right? Uh, four picks, four yeah, games we'll of uh, 13 and a half or more. Yeah. So we'll see how that all shakes out. All right, let's uh, get the plugs before we get going here. 
blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail. That's where you're listening to this show live. I don't know how well the quality has been or how bad it's been, but if you've soldiered through with us, uh, congratulations and thank you very much. Uh, To hear this garbage as a podcast with this terrible sound, you can subscribe to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, uh, TuneIn app, Mixcloud, many other different podcasting apps. Just search for In Much Less Detail, the podcast, and when we pop up, go ahead and subscribe, and you'll get every show that we do uploaded to your account. You can follow me on Twitter at IMLDDre. You can follow Jason at IMLDJTG. You can send any email communication to InMuchLessDetail at gmail.com. Um, and all our picks are going to be up on our blog after the show is over. And the blog site is InMuchLessDetail.blogspot.com. <sighs> and with that, I take a deep breath and shake my head and go, boy, week 17, huh? Oh, here we go again. <laughs> Hold your nose. Makes you shake your head in wonderment. So here we go, the last week of regular season picks for 2018. And we'll just go right right down the list. We'll start with uh, your Packers up there at the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. It won't be quite frozen, will it? It's still in the 30s up there. You know, I'm going to say it will be below freezing. Uh, we we had a little bit okay. of an ice storm earlier this week, and it's it's cooled off considerably. But I think for Sunday uh, tomorrow, it's tomorrow already. Um, I'm thinking they're going to be probably in the 20s tomorrow. But there's no there's no threat of you know, like snowstorm or anything like. It's going to be and it's nowhere near as frigid as what you can usually get at Lambeau at the end of the year. So this is going to be balmy yeah. uh, tomorrow at Lambeau. Yeah. It won't be three, so that, so that's good. No, no. Uh, so the Detroit Lions at five and ten with uh, nothing to play for, of course. Seven and a half point dogs at the six, eight, and one with nothing to play for. Green Bay Packers. Yeah. So two two teams, completely meaningless game. I still have a feeling it's a little bit more meaningful for the Packers. They're going to go out at home. They've had a at the very scrutinized, underperforming season. The offense since the, you know, since Mike, Mike McCarthy got bounced has been, it hasn't been the, the most, you know, creative offense I've ever seen, but it's a whole lot more creative than what I saw when Mike McCarthy was calling the plays and doing it. And I think that's going to be good enough. The Lions, uh, they stink in general, and they really stink on the road and in the cold. Uh, this kind of, this I hate to say this kind of feels, you know, twenty-seven ten territory. I think there's a Packers push. Uh, week five for this one was a Detroit victory up in Motown uh, in a high-scoring affair, thirty-one to twenty-three. And I can see the Packers getting back up to that twenty-three. I absolutely cannot imagine the Lions getting to that thirty-one because Matthew Stafford has been—he uh, looks about as bad as Cam Newton looked before they decided to shut him down. Um, so I don't know if they need to, to do the same thing with, with Stafford and bench him and put somebody else in there or not. I haven't read anything that indicates they're going to do that, but they probably should because all those the Detroit passing numbers have been trending very, very, very low. Uh, they're at 6.6 yards per throw, so if they have another bad day tomorrow, they're going to be at risk for being uh, on my list of subpar passing offenses, and I did not anticipate that at all this year for, for Matthew Stafford and the Lions. So I'm going to concur and take Green Bay and give 
the seven and a half because I don't see Detroit competing on any level right now. And I just flipped the coin, and I am going to reveal that the coin picks the Packers. So, yes, X X X. <laughs> Put that right over our picks <laughs> right now. No, I'm I'm always happy to be on the same when we're all three of us are on the same side of the coin. It's when we both have one team and the coin goes the other way. It seems like the coin always wins that one. So, I was, <laughs> yeah, if we could go back and look at the record, at least even since we've been keeping the records, you know, since at least the blog days. Um, yeah. What, what the record is for the coin when we both pick the same result and the coin is opposite us? I, I yeah, I would tell you the coin probably has us whooped pretty bad. Probably. Uh, speaking of Cam Newton and the Panthers, uh, they are 6-9 and nine and officially eliminated. And whoever the the, the, the Tyler Heineken kid uh, that threw yep. the interceptions last week, that he's not even going to be out there. Uh, he got hurt. Um, so now they're down to, to, what's this guy's name? Uh, Kyle Allen? I, I don't know who the hell Kyle Allen is. That's the starting quarterback for the Panthers. Uh, they, uh, of course, New, uh, New Orleans, their opponent, uh, has everything sewn up in the uh, NFC home field throughout. So Drew Brees not playing. That'll be Teddy Bridgewater getting the start. It'll be Bridgewater and the bums out there for New Orleans because I'm sure a lot of the other starters aren't going to play very much either. So Kyle Allen versus the bums. Uh, Carolina at six and nine. They're still seven point underdogs at New Orleans, even though we don't know who's playing for the Saints. I'll tell you what. I'm taking the bums. I'm taking Teddy Bridgewater, who's an actor. He's auditioning for a job. Teddy Bridgewater's playing for a contract. So I could see he's going to go out there and, and completely ball out. I don't think that Carolina's playing for anything. It's probably going to be a whole lot of whoever the hell's playing quarterback for them just turning around and giving it to, to Christian McCaffrey, I would assume. He's still he's still at least out there, I'm, I'm hoping. <laughs> he's not. This will probably be a 14-point spread. So – I would imagine that Ron Rivera is thinking about maybe packing his bags, although they're saying that he's probably safe. But you go out and you get embarrassed by uh, Teddy Bridgewater and a bunch of guys, that might be enough uh, even for the Panthers to to think about letting him loose. So I'm going to go ahead and take the Saints. And uh, there will be a whole lot of who dat tomorrow. But that will be all the fans looking in the field and going, geez, who dat? Who dat? Um, I, I, I'll agree with that part. There's going to be a lot of who that going on, trying to figure out who these players are. Um, I, I'm applying the Week 17 logic uh, of, of, well, I guess it's the other week's logic of Teddy Bridgewater and the, the B team for the Saints should not be seven-point favorites over anybody. And Panthers uh, may not have anything to play for, but they'll probably give more of a of – a, representative effort than whatever this is that the Saints are going to be throwing out there. So I think seven is just a little ridiculous in this spot, and I'm going to take the Panthers and the points. I wouldn't be surprised if they won the game. All right, and the coin says they like the Saints. Oh, damn it. Well, I tried to apply some logic. All right, moving on to the Buccaneers and the Falcons. And I told you about how I feel about Atlanta. Uh, it's not based on what they did last week, of course, uh, that I'm taking them to win the Super Bowl next year. It's based on how much better they looked overall in the second half as they started to get some of their pieces back. Um, and, and 
Matty Ice getting on the same page with the, the – I think Calvin Ridley is another part of that. I think he might be uh, he might be the real deal there because Julio Jones is still boss, but if you get another guy on the other side and can take contention away from him, uh, that, that's a, that can really open things up for the Falcons' offense so they can really do some damage next year. Anyway, uh, Tampa Bay, is, uh, I said they're going to be number one in passing – uh, at the end of the year, and they're still number one in passing, and they're going to finish number one because that's all they know how to do. Uh, the 6-9 and nine Atlanta Falcons are two-point favorites on the road at the 5-10 and 10 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, I've got a strange feeling about this one. Atlanta's been, you know, they got Deion Jones back. They've looked a little better on defense, but is the number one pass defense in all of football? I mean, pass offense, I mean, for Tampa in all of football, and they're at home. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take Jameis Winston or Brad Fitzjohnson or whoever the hell's playing quarterback for the Bucks tomorrow to light up a still depleted Falcons secondary. And uh, I'm going to take them as a home dog here to win the game. They would be a home dog. Uh, week six was happier times for Atlanta. They won at home against Tampa Bay 34 to 29 and Tampa still being number one in pass offense means they they can hang with another shootout with Atlanta. So I might like the over on that one again. Uh, But I like Atlanta to pull it out in the end. I still like the way that they're playing in the second half. And I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I'd like them so much to lock them up for the Super Bowl next year. So I might as well lock them up in week 17 as well. Wow. You know, that's funny. I'm glad I didn't. I almost locked up Tampa. But we almost lock off in week 17 to determine the locks championship, but I didn't do it. So Right. That would have guaranteed that somebody wins, unless it's a push. Well, we could have had a, the coin says Falcons as well. That's three, uh, three heads in a row here. Yeah. Interesting. Coin is going very favorite heavy. I'm glad it's on my side for the lock. All right. Here is the first of two games in which I am under 500 picking these two teams. So therefore I broke this game all the way down. I'm going to go with the opposite of what I pick. This is the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Houston Texans. I don't know which way I'm going with any, either one of these teams, Jacksonville five and 10 this year, of course, out of the playoffs, but wanting to play a little bit of a spoiler for Houston. Uh, what is Houston's? Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm trying to keep up with all these scenarios. There's a lot of them. Houston wins uh, Houston the division. Has, Houston wins the division with a win. They clinch the, the the AFC South with a win, uh, and they actually get a first round bye if some other things happen, and they can actually get home field throughout the AFC playoffs if some other things happen. So that that's a lot of there's a lot on the line. But Houston definitely will be going all out. Um, and Jacksonville will be trying to play spoiler. The Jags are 7 oh, uh, is uh, By the way, Blake Bortles is back, if you give a damn about oh, that okay. piece of information, that uh, Blake Bortles has found his way back into the starting lineup over Cody Kessler because Cody Kessler is really bad. Anyway, the Jags are 5-10, uh, and 10 and they are seven-point underdogs at the 10-5 and five Texans. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like the Texans here. I think they're the much better team. Um, very curious. I'm more curious to find out who you had picked and now who you're going to flip to. Um, I like Houston the whole way through here. They're they're playing to to sew this division up. I think the Jaguars have enough to hang with them. You know, the, they they don't have. I mean, we know that the te- the Texans are bad in the secondary. Uh, yeah, but this is the Jaguars and Blake Bortles. So yeah, first of all, you have to have the team to exploit that weakness. 
and I don't think the Jaguars do. Unless I mean, if Blake Bortles throws for 350, oh, God help us all. But I'm going to go ahead and take the Texans to sew up uh, their division, and I don't think they're going to get the bye, but I, I'd rather have them than the Patriots, but if, I don't see that happening. I'll take the Texans and give the points. Uh, Houston went to Jacksonville in week seven and, and embarrassed them 20 to seven. Uh, so not high scoring. So that's where I was coming down was even though Houston got a lot more points than Jacksonville in week seven, it's not like they lit up the scoreboard. I don't think Houston would light up the scoreboard tomorrow either. And Jacksonville, I, I don't put any faith in Blake Bortles to have any kind of game for the Jaguars. But the fact is the Jacksonville Jaguars for all their, defensive struggles and not playing up to their level and being a lot more subpar than I thought they would be this year. Actually still had a very good pass defense, still second in the league in pass defense. They still only gave up 6.7 yards for throw. And I thought that maybe they could sort of hold Houston down in that 20 point area again, and maybe get to, you know, 17 themselves just on the basis of it's their last game and they should have a little more pride and a little more effort. So I was going to have Jacksonville covering a seven-point spread because I thought that was a little big. And because of that, I'm going to take Houston to cover a seven-point spread because I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Wow. And I'll tell you what the coin says. Should have stuck with the Jaguars. Oh, shit. Oh, man. Coins got the Jags. Okay. Uh, uh, again, I'll have that italicized under me for uh, to let everybody know which games that I yeah. picked and which I took the opposite of what I actually wanted to pick. And and then no, and also uh, knowing that the coin is against us. Yeah, that that's that makes me feel really bad. All right, moving on to the Jets and the Patriots, and we talked a little bit about this that the Patriots can clinch a first round bye if they win and. They can actually clinch home field throughout the game. They can be the number one seed in the AFC with an 11-5 and five record uh, if they win and the Chiefs lose and the Chargers also lose, which is really hard to imagine. But, again, it's the NFL. Strange things have happened. Uh, so the 4-11 Jets. penalties in the Chiefs and Chargers game. Just watch. Just watch. <laughs> uh, it's another uh, unimpressive defense to maybe make Sam Darnold look good. He's been looking really good lately uh, against some really bad defenses. Uh, so the 4-11 and 11 Jets, uh, even though Darnold has been looking decent, they're still 14-point underdogs at the 10-5 and 5 New England Patriots. Yeah, I got burned last week by the Bills with the old garbage time touchdown. I hope I'm not going into that territory here again, but I'm going to, at Gillette, I'm going to take the Patriots. I still think that rolling into the playoffs here, they still haven't sewn everything up. I don't think this is going to be rest time for everybody. I think they hear all the media coverage of the Patriots is not all, you know, glowing. I think they know that they're they're weak and they're vulnerable. So I think they need a big win here to kind of roll into the playoffs, um, even if they get the bye. This is the final tune-up. This is the last chance, and the Jets are the Jets are a pushover. So I think the, the Patriots will take care of business at home and cover the big number. 14 was the magic number four weeks ago. Patriots beat the Jets uh, up in New York, 27 to 13. Uh, the Patriots may really need a big win to, to get the momentum going into the playoffs, but can they do what it takes to get that big win? Are, are they uh, 
cohesive enough. Uh, offensively, I don't think so. I really don't. So I'm going to take that big number again. Buffalo scored it for me last week, and I think the Jets will score for me this week with another huge, ridiculous number. I, I do not think the Patriots are good enough to be 14-point favorites like this. I know the Jets' defense is atrocious, so that scares me certainly, but I, I don't think the Patriots uh, offensively have put it together, and, and Josh Gordon missing might be a bigger deal than they probably thought. So I'm going to take the points and take the Jets. And once again, I want you to be right. I just hope you're wrong. <laughs> and the official I predict dime says, Take the favorite and the Patriots. Give them all. Oh, I'm against you and the dime. I do not like that. Uh, On to the other AFC East matchup, which is the Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills. The Miami Dolphins finally, finally eliminated uh, from playoff contention. Uh, So seven and eight Miami, five and a half point underdogs at five and ten Buffalo. I'm starting to warm up to the idea of, of Buffalo as kind of like a dark horse playoff team next year. I think that there's a little potential on that team with that defense when, and with Josh Allen learning that offense and maybe getting a few more weapons around him. I, I really do think that that is a team that could be looking to, to rise up above the, the Dolphins and the Jets next year. I'm going to take the Bills here in a little 2019 preview. And Projects has shown some flashes. Uh, he's also shown some throws and some decisions where you're like, oh, my God, that's why he's a project because he, he's a rookie. Uh, some, he's a rookie. He's a, yeah, but, oh, my goodness. Yeah, some of those throws is like, you are not ready to be an NFL quarterback here, but, uh, but he does have playmaking uh, abilities. There's no denying that. Uh, more importantly for me, Buffalo can polish off a very good defensive year. That's the number one pass defense in the NFL, the Buffalo Bills, which I think would surprise a lot of people. Uh, only giving up 6.4 yards per throw. Uh, Miami uh, got the win in week 13, uh, 21 to 17, but Ryan Tannehill uh, last week, apparently, I, again, I didn't see highlights or anything, but apparently he was so bad. It made people say that he's about to be out of Miami. That's how awful he looked last week, so uh, yeah, I'm going to take Buffalo. I don't think it's going to get better against the number one pass defense in the league. I don't think it's going to go any better for them. So I'm going to go with the Bills and give the five and a half along with you. And the coin likes the Dolphins. Oh, oh shoot. Oh, well, we tried. All right. Uh, NFC East action, the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants. So this one is a, a Week 17 special as far as the point spread. It's absolutely yeah. – uh, a week 17 deal. The Cowboys are locked in uh, at the uh, is it the three seed or the fourth seed? Uh, the fourth seed. Cowboys are locked in at the fourth seed. Can't move up. Can't move down. So they haven't announced that they're going to bench everybody. But the the common thinking is that they probably won't be playing their starters very long if they if they're going to play them at all. So as a result of that, the nine and six uh, NFC East champion Dallas Cowboys are six point underdogs at the completely out of contention five and ten New York Giants. Yeah, and Jason Garrett swears up and down that they're going to treat this like a regular game and they're going to play their regulars and they don't rest people and they want to be fresh because they know they're going in the playoffs. And since I know that Jason Garrett's a complete piece of shit, I'm taking the Giants. (laughs) Uh, For all those reasons, Kerr. And the dime, the dime wants Dallas. What? (laughs) 
I liked all those points, I guess. Okay. Man, that six is way too way too rich for the dime. Yeah. All right, on to the afternoon action, the late afternoon action. It's the uh, Clippers and the Broncos and the Los Angeles Chargers at 11-4. and four. Uh, They're locked into a playoff spot, but there's a lot of uh, fluctuation, flux, flexibility, what, is that the word? What, I don't know what the word would be. Uh, but they can uh, clinch, of course, the division title if, uh, if Kansas City loses and they win. That would also give them the number one seed in the AFC and what a season that would top off uh, for the Chargers. Uh, boy, what what a year they've had. Huh? Uh, so the 11-4 and four Chargers, six-point favorites on the road at the 6-9 and nine Denver Broncos. Yeah, I mean, the Chargers still, I think, are going to end up putting up enough points even before I think they bench their players. Let's say that, you know, if the Chiefs are up huge on the Raiders, and it looks like that's over, and you start to get that suspicion, like all of a sudden, you know, oh wait, Joey, Joey Bosa's not in the game, and now Rivers, Mel Court. Now all of a sudden, you start to see those guys getting benched. I think it'll be after the the, the Clippers have built up a huge lead, because the Broncos are just not very good. They're about to get their coach fired, and their quarterback's probably going to get run out of town because that was a bad sign. So I'm going to take the Chargers and give the six. Uh, was that six and a half? I got six uh, by itself. Six on the nose. All right, I had six and a half. Even yep. better for me. I'll take the, the clips and give the six. Uh, week 11, Denver uh, went to L.A. And, and actually knocked them off 23-22. Uh, but this was uh, this is with Philip Lindsay, the great uh, rookie running back, and he is done. He will not be playing tomorrow, so that made all the difference for me. I, I, I had a shoulder shrug uh, emoji for this one. I had no idea which way I was going to go, but now that Philip Lindsay is down, I'm going to go ahead and agree with you and take the Chargers and give the six points. And the dime says uh, that we're right, so we're going to all have the Chargers hey. together. We all love L.A. Uh, staying <laughs> out west. <laughs> we love it. In the uh, NFC West, it's uh, Arizona and Seattle. Here's my white mouse team, the 3-12 and 12 Arizona Cardinals. Uh, they are 13-and-a-half-point uh, dogs at the 9-6 and six Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, the, the the drop that we still don't have, we don't have yet on this show. I, I, I got to go do a little Mike Singletary. I can't do it. I just, <laughs> I just can't do it. I can't pick the white mouse. That, that, that's just, that line is so big in a game that means absolutely nothing, that Vegas is daring you to bet <laughs> on the Arizona Cardinals, and I still can't do it. I'm taking the Seahawks. I'm giving all the points. But I know that little white mouse is going to blow up. Yeah, Seattle is uh, they're, uh, locked in, uh, in the five seed. Right? They're the wild card yeah. uh, in the NFC. They're number five. They're not going to uh, drop you low uh, down to six no matter what happens. Uh yeah, I completely concur. I'm finally going to give in and, and go against the, the White Mouse and go against the Cardinals. I'm going to take Seattle and give the 13-and-a-half as well, even though they have nothing to play for and probably won't be playing their starters in the second half. So, But so I can't take Arizona. They, Arizona's been fucking me too hard lately, so i got to get off of that. So, so that begs the question, what would the line on this game be the Seahawks <laughs> would play something? Probably sixteen, seventeen, something in that neighborhood. <laughs> and I, I hope that 
if this is tails, you know we're screwed, right? <laughs> yeah. It's heads. We're all right. Hey. The white mouse Woo. will explode. <laughs> oh, we certainly hope not. All right. Chicago and Minnesota has got a lot of implications uh, and machinations on the line. Minnesota, of course, is a win-in-their-in situation. Uh, win and they get a uh, wild card spot and uh, another meeting with Chicago uh, next weekend, I would believe, unless, of course, uh, the Rams lose and then the Bears would move up a spot in the uh, in the playoffs. Uh, so that's what the Bears are playing for. The, if they win and the Rams lose, Chicago would actually go up to number two and uh, have a first-round bye. And, of course, they're going to be very motivated to do that. But the Vegas and the public thinks that the Vikings winning their end motivation is, is is a little stronger apparently because the eleven and four Chicago Bears are five and a half point underdogs at the eight six and one Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I'm going to go back in, in Bears history here, back into back around to around the time of about 2010, to a time when the Bears were rolling through and into the playoffs. They were going to be a top seed, and they had a chance to beat the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field to keep them out of the playoffs. Failed to do it, and then had the Packers come back to Soldier Field in the NFC Championship game and beat the Bears. And the Bears did not take that game very seriously. And I know that nobody on this Bears squad is even still from that era, the coaches, the players. But but history, especially franchise history, has a way of, of kind of like defining things. I don't think the Bears want the Vikings to have to then come back to play them again next week in Soldier Field. It's very hard to, first of all, you, you know, it's hard to beat a team three times. I think the Bears are just going to go and beat them. I think the Bears are going to go to Minnesota, knock them out of the playoffs, take this game very seriously, and they're going to deny, going to deny Kirk Cousins that signature win that he still doesn't have. <laughs> still looking. Still doesn't have it. Oh, look at that signature win. Um, I did not think about that game at all because it's a very dark time in the Bears' history, and I, as a Bears fan, I don't want to think about that time. That, that, that was the Caleb Haney game, right, where Jay Culler gets hurt. And that was. Caleb Haney yeah, comes in and immediately finds a way to throw up. In week 17, they came up here to Lambeau and just laid a complete egg. I believe they yeah, lost like ten to seven, right? Yeah, it was the ten seven, a really low scoring game, and they didn't try particularly hard. And the Packers snuck into the playoffs as what I said at the time was the most dangerous six seed to ever make it into the postseason, and they ran through to the Super Bowl as a six seed. Yeah, yep, four no. Yeah, uh, so very bad memories there. Um, as far as this one goes. It's going to be basically about which quarterback stumbles because both defenses are going to be coming and, and trying their hardest. And so it's going to be uh, Kirk Cousins and his history of, of coming up completely small in all the biggest games versus Mitch Trubisky and his history of, of playing much less uh, impressive on the road than he does at home. Um, it's Trubisky, then finally Minnesota gets, yes, that signature win we've been looking for. Uh, all this time. So that, I believe that would be the signature win. And the Bears will be missing Allen Robinson, their wide receiver. They'll be missing Eddie Jackson in their secondary, who's made so many big plays for them. 
Um, and Minnesota defense uh, at home, they should be on fire for this one. There's no reason for the Vikings not to just come out just with their hair on fire and, and play as crazy as they can, uh, trying to avenge week 11 when the Bears knocked them off uh, 25 to 20 in a, in a wild raucous game at Soldier Field. I think Minnesota gets that win back and, and covers the five and a half and beats the Bears and makes it into the playoffs. And the dime says, going home. Hmm. Dimes got the Bears. All right. I'll be alone with the Vikings and Kirk Cousins. Dimes, All of a sudden, Dimes, I don't feel so good about Bears that. And, <laughs> well, you know, it, you know, the Bears also get five and a half, so the Vikings could very well win. Yeah, just not, cover, not cover. That's you know, That's a lot of points against a great defense. I mean, for all we know, the Vikings could gut out like a, a 14 to 12 type win. Wow. Well, uh, if that comes true, then the Nostra Thomas will have done it to me again. <laughs> uh, moving on. <laughs> moving on to San Francisco and the Rams. We just uh, spoke about the uh, Los Angeles Rams at 12-3, and three. about the least impressive 12-3 and three team you've ever seen, as bad as they've been playing lately, but they righted the ship against the Cardinals last week. Uh, they're still trying to clinch that first-round bye that they seem to be a lock for. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, they will get it with a win. Uh, so they will be trying to play, and they should not be benching anybody. Plus, they need to just keep the momentum going, I would think. They don't want to bench anyone just because they haven't been playing so good lately. Uh, so as a result, the 4-11 and San Francisco 49ers, 10.5-point underdogs at the 12-3 and Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, I think the Rams showed us last week they are still really good at rolling up a bad team. And the 49ers on the road are pretty much the definition of a bad team. They're, they're good at home. They can put up the offense at home. Nick Mullins has played all right at home, but I don't think on the road against the Rams team that really needs to keep rolling. Aaron Donald's going after the sack record, so I think he's going to talk about playing with his hair on fire. He's going to be going after Nick Mullins. and you know, we'll, we'll see if it gets to be like a sack or a half a sack away if Nick Mullins just, you know, turtles like Rick Favre. <laughs> and that, that'll be interesting um, to see if he just lets him get sacked. But uh, there's a lot of storylines still in that game. And the biggest one, though, is are the Rams, you know, are they going to come out and look bad, potentially win and get a bye, and then still and then have to listen to the questions for two weeks about how they're a one-and-done team. So I think they need to come out and assert a little dominance here. And I think they will, so I will give the points and take the Rams. In week seven, uh, the Rams went to San Francisco and manhandled them. San Fran decent at home, but uh, the Rams even smacked them around uh, at home. It was 39-10. to 10. But that was a different Rams team. So that week seven seems like three years ago because the Rams have looked so different lately. Now, I understand they rolled up the, the Cardinals last week, but that's the Cardinals. Uh, and I understand C.J. Anderson got off his couch and, and just ran down the Cardinals and couldn't be stopped, but that's – one game, and I don't know if C.J. Anderson has got another game like that in in him. So the 49ers are no pushovers, and they, uh, they, they've been competing all year, and I understand they're 0-7 on the road, but they're still competitive, and they're still playing hard for Kyle Shanahan, so uh, I'm going to take the, those points. I'm going to take San Francisco in a 10 and a half. All right, and the dime likes the Rams. Hmm. Uh. Well, I don't feel so good about some of these picks after the coin uh, weighs in. But, hey, the coin is not undefeated, so uh, maybe no, I'll no. be able to beat them in some of these. The coin, in, has, never these gone six, the coin has never gone 16-0. and 0. 
Right. Neither, <laughs> neither of us. Neither, neither, neither one of us with 30 years of pick. Tell you what, go tonight, put $10 on a 16-0 and parlay, all with the coins picked. <laughs> I'm yeah, good for half of this. So we'll put 10 bucks on that. I'll have five and you have five. And when we win $65,000 off the coins <laughs> picked, we'll, we'll share that. How's that sound? Excellent. I like it. I'm all for it. I'm assuming a 16-team parlay, but it pays pretty well. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I've never played a 16-team parlay. I don't know if they even offer a 16-team parlay. <laughs> I'm um, sure somebody does. Probably. Absolutely nothing. Right. You might have to find Guido in the back alley to get that, but I'm sure somebody offers it. Uh, Cleveland and Baltimore in the Art Modell Bowl. This one has uh, implications because the Ravens are – completely changing their philosophy on how to play football and have put together a nine and six record um, and have made their way right on the verge of uh, a playoff contention. They're just about in. They can win the uh, division, the AFC North, if they win and the Steelers lose. Uh, they can get a first round bye if they win and Houston and New England both lose. So they got a lot on the line. But Cleveland has a lot of momentum going. The Browns have been playing some really good football lately. They're 7-7-1. Seven, seven, and one. They're on the verge of having a winning record, which would just be shocking if, if they could knock off uh, the Ravens and go to 8-7-1. and one. So they'll be motivated. But uh, Browns are still six-and-a-half-point underdog at the 9-6 and six Ravens. If the Browns have shown anything and Baker Mayfield has shown anything, they really get up for playing Hugh Jackson. They love the Bengals. They, they, they really just want to rub it in their pieces, you know. Um, I don't know. There's two of my wins gonna, this year. You're not going to hear any talk about this, but I don't know of anybody who has even mildly suggested that John Harbaugh should be coach of the year. But can you remember the last time a team midstream changed its entire identity and then went on a roll no, to the playoffs? I'm, I'm with you, man. The way, that that job. the way that that has happened before. I mean, no one's going to give this guy any run for coach of the years. Or, you know, they're going to know Andy Reid or, you know, Sean Payton. It's going to be all the, the guys who you expect. But the Baltimore Ravens were dead and buried. I think we dead and, we, we buried them on this podcast. And, you know, we, we joked about the first couple of weeks of the Lamar Jackson kind of an experiment because they were, they, were they were winning in a very Tebow kind of way with him. And it's like every yeah. week they keep getting better, and that defense has just gone insane. I mean, I, I, we can talk about Buffalo with that number one ranked pass defense, but I wouldn't take that Buffalo defense in a heartbeat over what the Ravens are doing, especially after what they did to the Chargers. They are on a mission. I've got the Ravens. I'm giving all the points, and it's my lock of the week. And, and I'll tell you, Baker Mayfield's going to start shooting off his mouth so much, he's going to end up in a moment where he's crumpled up on the turf and somebody's standing over him like Ali in the famous photo. That's what his <laughs> career trajectory is going to be. Someone's going to light him up and taunt him mercilessly. Yeah, you're right. He has a hell of a mouth for somebody that hasn't really accomplished much of anything yet in the NFL. Yeah, that's as two uh, stories sort of going against each other. That's some kind of run that the Ravens are doing with Lamar Jackson that we kind of laughed at when it began. And it's also some kind of run by the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield. And we kind of laughed at him when he was 
made the number one overall pick. Like, really, that guy? Uh, but, yeah, he's, he's got some stones. He thinks he's great, and he acts like it and plays like it. He, sometimes he wakes up feeling dangerous, and, and sometimes he can back it up, and certainly against uh, Hugh Jackson, as you pointed out. Uh, but, yeah, this one's a, a compelling matchup between these two teams and franchises. Of course, don't like each other because one franchise used to be the Browns, and one franchise got made up out of thin air into the Browns. So, uh, but as far as the game goes, uh, if the Browns can corral Lamar Jackson, they can win the game because that seems to be the key to that sort of simplistic. I, I uh, complimented the Ravens' offense that I saw uh, on the field against the Chargers, but I also admit it's a little simplistic. It's a little bit, you know, we're gonna do this and kind of fake off of that. And then Lamar Jackson's got one read to make off of that fake. And if it's open, then he hits it. And if it's not, then he pulls it down and runs. It's it's a little bit by the numbers, a little rote, uh, but it's working. There's no doubt that it's, it's certainly working right now. Uh, PFL podcast uh, pointed out that Baker Mayfield uh, is fifth in the, in, in the NFL in the entire league in what they call big time throws, which are throws that have, what they grade as excellent location and timing and are downfield type throws, not, you know, little dinks and doinks, uh, fifth in the NFL already with that. Uh, but if, you know, if the defense, if the Baltimore defense uh, can't handle that, then, then they got problems. But uh, you, you complimented how great they've been. Yeah, I, I agree. They've, the difference between them and the Buffalo Bills is they've got the run defense to go with it. They don't allow you to really run on them, and then they shut you down with all the different coverages that they have in the in the backfield. So they've got pretty much a total package on defense. Uh, so we'll see if uh, Greg Williams unleashes the bounties and try to uh, take Lamar Jackson out. But the, the, the bounty hunters, I don't think they're going to get to him. I think that's the key to stopping the Ravens in the playoffs down the road is – find a defense that can somehow corral Lamar Jackson in the open field running the ball and make him a thrower. And and that's how – I think that's the way you're going to beat the Baltimore Ravens. And I don't think the Browns have the defense to do that. I think they they give up too much on the ground, and Lamar Jackson will go ahead and gash them like he's been doing all these other teams. So uh, I didn't lock it up, but I will concur with you ultimately and and take Baltimore and give the six and a half. And so so you were were kind of digging my uh, John Harbaugh Coach of the Year campaign there. Yeah, I got a lot. Of, I don't know if I'm going to uh, put him as my coach of the year either, but I, I agree. I have a lot of respect for what for what that organization has done and what he's done uh, with that just completely revamping and changing exactly. Uh, like, like we talked about on a previous show, they brought in new receivers. They brought in, they revamped their receiving core just to give Joe Flacco a better chance to make plays downfield, and then they just, you know, you know what? Uh, scrap all that. We're going to go to Lamar Jackson. We're going to completely revamp everything and, and just completely change everything up. And it's it's working. It's been successful. So all props to him. Yeah, it's also a compelling matchup because this is the the quarterback that everybody is talking about as potential rookie of the year, and you know he's going to potentially lead the Browns to a winning record against the quarterback that I said would have the biggest impact on this season. And, and look at what's been happening. That's quite amazing. You and Renard in, in the season preview show. Yeah. I'm very, very curious. Yeah, that was a long time ago. And uh, yeah, I, I've made a lot of bad picks this year, but I feel good about that one. I'm just curious. I'm holding the dime against my hand because I'm, I'm, I'm scared to look at it. <laughs> and the dime says, go with the Ravens. All right. Baltimore across the board. Dime is loving these favorites. Yeah. 
maybe we should be putting some sort of parley on this. I don't know. I was so afraid of that pick that I actually have an imprint of the dime in my hand now. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it agreed with us ultimately, so that's a good thing. I I really do think when we, uh, all three of us are across, that it's a much better record as well with that uh, than it is when all three of us, uh, I think we have more wins when all three of us agree than than losses, like a lot more wins. Uh, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh, uh, of course, Cincinnati completely out of it at six and nine. The Steelers at eight, six and one are now teetering on the edge of possibly completely missing the playoffs. And then they're also on the edge of, they can still win the AFC North. Uh, so it, it's very strange. Uh, Pittsburgh can clinch the division title if they win and Baltimore loses. Uh, they would actually, that's one of those tie situations you were talking about, they would actually get a wild card if they won and the Colts and, and Titans in that Sunday night game, if they if they tied, <laughs> Pittsburgh would sneak in. That would be the craziest way to end the season in the history of football. So uh, if, you lo- if you love chaos, then root for a tie on Sunday night. But anyway, uh, Cincy at 6-9, and 14.5-point dogs at the 8-6-1 and one Steelers. I think the tight, I think the Steelers are also on the verge of of like eating each other. <laughs> you know, that is that is, that is a complete locker room in chaos. Mike Tomlin has completely lost control of that team and that franchise. I, I think they're just sort of spiraling out of control. And for you know, and and there's no way I can give this many points to when it's the team that we've already highlighted on this show years more than any other plays down to the level of their competition especially especially if it's the Cincinnati Bengals you know I mean this team almost lost to AJ McCarron in the playoffs don't forget that so I don't I don't I don't right. see why Jeff Driscoll or whoever the hell he is can't come in there and at least keep this within 14 points I mean, he, he did it last week, got some garbage time against the, what I hate to say, it might be a better team in Cleveland. The Steelers are falling apart at the seams. We're watching it all happen in real time. And uh, they're going to not make the playoffs. And the, the dismantling will begin. So I'm going to take the Bengals and all the points. Of course, these two franchises uh, do not play and don't like each other. Uh, back in week six when the Bengals were still a, a whole team, Pittsburgh came in and, and snuck out a win over them in Cincinnati, but only by seven, 28 to 21. So, uh, but now, of course, this is a totally different Bengals team with all the injuries that they've had. Uh, did you see that uh, the Steelers defensive coordinator, Keith Butler, is uh, trying out to be the new uh, co-host for Screaming A. Smith on first and Negro because they're both going to be sitting there making up uh, game plans about guys that clearly are not playing in the game coming up. Yeah, I like that one. And I'm not going to go and, and dig up like a, like an old-timey, you know, player that we that the, that the Steelers need to watch out for in this game. But, yeah, I saw that you had – I saw – I already spent a whole show doing that, so I can't do it again. We shouldn't have to do it again is the point. That's just ridiculous. How many – hundreds of thousands of dollars are you making as the defensive coordinator and you don't know that Tyler Eifert is injured and not going to play and you're sitting there breaking him down like he's a, a threat for the Bengals out there? Like, what the so, fuck are you talking about? Does that mean they were watching, like, game film? You know, like, 
I don't know what that means. (laughs) I don't know. Think about the deeper implications of that statement. If they're worried about Tyler Eifert, who's not going to play? I don't. I would. I prefer to think that it's just pure laziness and that he hadn't gotten to any tape yet, and he was just trying to fill and, and sound like he was intelligent and knew what he was talking about. Yeah, Tyler Eifert is really a threat. We got to really watch out for him. Uh, that, I just assume that that's what's happening. I, they can't be that dumb to be sitting there and watching tape of Tyler Eifert and, and drawing up game plans around him. They, they can't, right? Like, I got you distracted there. Did I hear that you – did you concur with me on this one? Uh, yes. I absolutely concur that I'm not taking the Steelers and giving 14 and a half as much chaos as that organization seems to be in. All right. And the dime says, we're right. Again, wow, another head. Well, the head means it's got the Steelers, so got the oh, favorites. Oh, no, it's heads. <laughs> That's right. Yep, well, got the favorite, got the Steelers. Yeah. <laughs> so the dime. alone with that one. Oh, no. Oh. Mm. Coin thinks the Steelers are going to put it all together and, and bond as a unit. Uh, if the Steelers the make the playoffs, if the Steelers make the playoffs and the Patriots end up the number one seed, I think I'm with you. Done with football. <laughs> That's just that would be too much of a, of a coincidence this, for, this for that become, to be accidental. And this will become this will become a weekly NBA podcast. And Tim Donahue will be our our third co-host because he's all about the conspiracies and, and trying to fix things. <laughs> so I know a lot yeah. about that. Uh, this is the second of two games in which I am under 500 picking these two teams, so therefore I'm going with the opposite of what I thought was going to happen, and that would be the Philadelphia Eagles and the Washington Redskins. And the Eagles, of course, at 8-7 and seven with Nick Foles trying to make another run just like last year where the Eagles get into the playoffs and behind Nick Foles make a run all the way to the title. Philadelphia will be the wild card team and clinch a playoff berth if they win this game and the Vikings lose to the Bears. That's certainly a plausible scenario. Uh, So the Redskins at 7 and 8 are out of it. Philadelphia is a a 7.5 point favorite on the road at the 7 and 8 Redskins. I'm not a big fan of the hook here, but the, oh, the red the Redskins are, are just an absolute mess, and I think you know this whole Nick Foles throwing the ball downfield, mad bomber kind of thing he's got going on. One week it's Alshon Jeffrey, the next week it's Nelson Aguilar. I don't know who's it going to be this week, but all I know is Nick Foles. These last two games, his passing stats have been out of this world. Absolutely lit up the the Houston Texans. Uh, was it 400, 400 at least? Um, and it's just like whatever whatever magic he had from last season, he's he's found it again. This is the underdog, the underdog Eagles are are up to their tricks here again. And I actually think that the Bears are going to beat the Vikings and deny Kirk Cousins the playoffs, and that the Eagles are going to beat the Redskins like a drum and make it in and go in as a very kind of like dangerous, wounded animal six seed here. So I like the Eagles and my narrative. 471 for the Eagles uh, passing against the Texans last Damn. week. Uh, 
that's the Texans for you. They will they will let you have it. Um, so for this one, uh, week 13, of course, uh, four weeks ago with Carson Wentz under center for the Eagles, they beat the Redskins 28-13. to uh, And apparently not much drop-off with Nick Foles. They're amazing that he's uh, going to possibly lead them into the playoffs again uh, if Minnesota loses. Uh, for however, for this one, I had broken down and figured out that Washington under Josh Johnston was going to find a way to hang in there with the Eagles because Philadelphia is DFL in pass defense. After all the injuries that they've had in their secondary, that's actually the worst pass defense in football now is Philadelphia. And they might make the playoffs, which is sort of a perfect indicator of today's NFL. Uh, but, I, yeah, I, I, after my actual breakdown, I had Washington uh, losing this game by five uh, with the seven-and-a-half-point spread. So I would have taken the skins to cover that number. However, since I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about with these two teams, I will now agree with you and take the, the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, let's see, because the last time you did this, the coin said you should have stuck to your guns, and now the coin says that the Eagles will win by more than seven-and-a-half. There you go. So you're okay. All right. Another head. That's good. Maybe I just got the flip down. Maybe I, I just need to change up the flip here. I think the next one I'll just let hit the floor. <laughs> and since I, I'm saying that, people are like getting denied what you used to do, which would be flip the coin yeah. and then lose it. That had to have happened like four times every show when we would used to do it yeah. just with us picking and doing the coin. You'd flip it, and then it would. I could hear it clinking on the floor, and then it would roll under your desk. Yeah, but, but that's kind of why I did that. Is I wanted the sort of randomness of that. I didn't trust myself to flip it uh, and then catch it because, there, like you said, there might be a rhythm to it. It might be something where you're doing it the same way, and that's why you're coming up with heads all the time. I, I wanted it to hit the floor. I didn't want it to bounce everywhere, of course, but I wanted it to hit the floor and, and bounce around a little bit to give a little more randomness. So that's why I did that. Ah. Now, I've been adjusting it, you know, higher tosses, short tosses, had a couple of flat kind of tosses where it barely tumbled. No, they, so they've all been different. Yeah, I, I've always had to, I always had some flat tosses too as well. Uh, that, that's another reason why I let it hit the floor sometimes. Uh, so one more before the Sunday nighter. It's the uh, it's Murga, uh, Oakland and Kansas City, uh, the four and eleven Raiders trying to play some spoiler and, and keep the Chiefs from wrapping up everything. Uh, of course, they were clinched to the uh, AFC West uh, by uh, – uh, actually, if, if the Clippers lose, then they clinch the title no matter what. Um, but, of course, they want to win and, and wrap things up. Um, and a win would give Kansas City the division title and the number one seed all the way throughout the playoffs. Uh, Oakland as a 14-and-a-half-point dog at the 11-and-4 Chiefs. And, and I'll say for Murga and the Raiders, is they, they've been surprisingly competent as a football team the last few weeks. They, they've been hanging around. And this, is, this all goes to the whole point of Murga just being too stupid to realize that he was, like, destined for the number one pick in the draft. And then all of a sudden the Raiders started to play a little bit of competitive football. And – you know, he's just, he's just probably got too big of an ego to, to just tank the way that there should be because the way you made these trades, you're tanking. So go tank. Don't go win games. But I'll tell you what, I don't think they're going to win this one, but nobody lets but people hang around 
like the Kansas City Chiefs. I think even <laughs> if the Chiefs play their best game, they, they're just not 14 and a half points better than anybody because their defense is a sieve. Yeah, Murga's too dumb to, to get the number one pick. And also, Murga would have been too dumb to do anything correct with that number one pick because they would have burned it on uh, you know the next Tony Mandarich or something. I promise you they would have fucked up that number one pick even if they would have got it. Uh, they have been playing uh, decently. Uh, they hung around with Kansas City in week 13, four weeks ago, uh, out in Oakland. Uh, the Chiefs put up 40, and Oakland put up 33, and therefore – uh, if it was a 14-and-a-half point spread out there, they would have uh, hung around and covered that as well. But this one back at home, uh, I, I, I'm going to give all the points because I think that this is just going to be sort of the topping off of Murga, first of all. Goodbye, Murga, for the rest of the, uh, of the season. But also the Chiefs and Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes and the way they've been playing, just the perfect topping on this season. Uh, I think they're going to go out and try to give Mahomes that MVP and put a, a perfect – uh, ending to the season and really go ball to the wall and the weird geometry and it's going to be even crazier uh, than you can imagine and I think they're going to make a, try to make a statement uh, in putting uh, the finishing touches on, on getting home field throughout uh, so I think Kansas City is going to go out and, and try to just completely bury the Raiders and, and they should uh, be able to do that I believe so I'm going to give 14 and a half so to flip this uh, a little differently I flipped it and let it hit the carpet and the dime says, take Murga. Ah, see, you the, hit the carpet and there's a tail for you. So. That's right. There Not the go. first one, but it's been a lot of heads tonight. Yep. All right, here's the Sunday Nighter. That's the big marquee matchup that the league uh, has to put on. It's the, the matchup that has the most playoff implications. It's Indianapolis versus Tennessee. Win and you're in. And depending on the other things that happened earlier in the day, uh, you can also have win and clinch uh, the AFC South title and get a first-round bye. All of that stuff, all of that's possibly on the line. But even even if all, even if none of that's on the line, you still have a win in your end situation for the wild card for the for the uh, wild card spot for Indianapolis and Tennessee. So with that, it is uh, they're both nine and six, but. The uh, the looming question over this game, of course, is the quarterback status for the Tennessee Titans because Marcus Mariota has fucked his elbow up again or has some sort of nerve issue in the in the game uh, uh, last Saturday that they played against uh, the Redskins. So either he with a nerve issue is going to go out there or Blaine Gabbert is going to get the start for the Tennessee Titans. And strictly as a result of that uncertainty, I believe, uh, Indianapolis at 9-6 and six is a three-point favorite on the road at – the 9-6 Tennessee Titans. No, I believe you are 100% correct. This line is nothing more than a function of the, is it Blaine Gabbert or is it going to be a injured Marcus Mariota? And we've already seen the Titans with an injured Marcus Mariota and how ineffective they are when he cannot throw the football or at least have the threat of throwing the football down the field. If it's just going to be dink and doink stuff, that's going to compress that indie defense. And Derrick Henry, who's sort of had a, you know, season rejuvenation over the last few games, he's not going to get a chance to get off at all if there's eight guys, nine guys in the box the whole game. And knowing that this injury, I don't know, if is it a stinger? Is it a neck thing? Is it an elbow? Is it a shoulder? All I know is it's going to affect Mariota throwing the ball. He's listed as questionable. 
So even if he plays, how effective is he going to be? He'd probably be more effective than Blaine Gabbard on Blaine Gabbard's best day. But I think all of that adds up to Andrew Luck and the Colts going and punching their ticket to the playoffs. I'm going to give the three and take the Colts. Week 11, uh, down in Indy, uh, T.Y. Hilton and Andrew Luck reestablished their dominance over Tennessee in uh, beating the Titans 38-10. to uh, T.Y. has an ankle issue, but he'll go again. He's been beat up the second half of the year, but he's been playing through it and, and been uh, shockingly effective uh, through those injuries, uh, partially because of how great he actually is and partially because of how great Andrew Luck has gotten his trend throughout the season just up and up and up. Luck started out the season, uh, and I talked about this on previous shows, uh, a little lower in uh, yards per pass than he's than, than his normal numbers are, somewhere in the sort of six range, 6.2 at the, in the, after the first four or five games of the season, uh, now up to 7.1, so that's just steadily and steadily risen as his arm has gained strength and as he's gained confidence. Uh, so here we go with uh, either a damaged Mariota or a sucky Blaine Gabbard at, at quarterback for Tennessee. A uh, couple of other factors uh, to consider that Tennessee's defense will be taking a bit of a hit. Uh, they've had a, a sort of an unsung pass rusher over the last few years, Jarrell Casey, uh, but he's not going to play. Uh, they've gotten some competent play out of the veteran, the former Redskin Brian Arakpo over the last couple of years, but he's out. He's not going to play. So their defense is going to be a little compromised uh, I think it, uh, I agree with you. I, I think this sets up for the Colts to sort of reestablish uh, themselves at the top of the AFC South. Uh, uh, Houston, uh, I, I do not have them uh, losing a game to Jacksonville, so I, I don't have Indy reclaiming the division completely, but I do have them beating the Titans in Nashville and, and making their way into the playoffs as a, a as a possibly dangerous sixth seed and, and see how much damage they can do once they get there. So I'm with you on that one. I'll tell you, the coin flew up in the air, ricocheted off my chair, off of me, landed on the floor. The craziest <laughs> coin flip of the night tells me this is going to be a crazy game, and it likes the Titans. Oh, that would be crazy. The craziest coin flip of the night. I've just predicted this is going to be a wild game. Either way, it would be wild. If it's Mariota, uh running the ball and not throwing, or if it's Blaine Gabbard leading them to victory. Although Blaine Gabbard came in and, and sort of rescued the Titans and and, uh, and they went over the Redskins, right? I didn't see the highlight, but I, I was reading some of the game uh, recap of that. that it was actually uh, Blaine Gabbard actually came to the rescue. He also, I believe, won the game against uh, – the, was that the game against the Jaguars where, where Kevin Byers uh, threw the touchdown? <laughs> That's right. Winning ugly, yes. <laughs> so maybe we're going to get some of that. You know, the, the funny maybe. part would be that the Titans ended up by some miracle winning the division, which I had when the season uh, preview was. Tennessee wins the division if they win and Houston loses. Tennessee actually wins the division and, and gets a bye if they win, Houston loses, <gasps> New England loses, and Baltimore loses. So, again, stranger things have happened. Now, if that happens, are you quitting football? <laughs> I, I will greatly consider quitting. I will greatly consider it if that happens, yes. 
Uh, that's the end of the two-hour live football party. More on our after show when we come back. All right, into our VIP after show, and I think we both should be commended for fighting through these uh, connection issues and making it through the two-hour live show. I'm, uh, you had some communication issues. You had some issues hearing me, but we, we soldiered through. Thankfully, I appear to have cleared that up. Um, I didn't have any issues hearing you at all, so I, I, it, it wasn't a back and forth where we're kind of, ah, what? Why did you say so? That, that would have really been terrible. Um but, but we got through, and we got all our picks in for, for Week 17, got the coin action going and the official dime, and you took care of those duties. So we, we got it all under control after all the drama. Yeah, good good long show. It was a football party. Yeah, long football party. Uh, yeah, again, uh, uh, sort of a preview of what uh, what's going to happen next year when we have every show will be a two-hour football party as we – We'll look back a little bit on the uh, previous week's action and then get into the picks for the uh, upcoming week. And like you said, we got uh, the rest of the summer to work out some of the kings, and we'll figure out how we want to do the shows next year. You were bringing up maybe something like uh, the the show that we sort of stole our the name of our, our, our podcast is sort of derived from the Inside the NFL show when they used to go into their games in more detail, and we – kind of make fun of that and spoof it and say, oh, we'll do it in, in much less detail. Uh, but they used to sort of, uh, and they still do. They, I don't watch the show because it's on Showtime. I don't have Showtime. Uh, but they would talk about some of the highlights from the previous week. Then they would pick some of the games coming up the next week. Then they would come back to some highlights from the previous week and sort of break things up like that. So uh, we, we may play with that a little bit. and uh, we, we, we may try a few different ways to do it and see what, what fits the best. Yeah, we've even we've even had a format change here on the run in the we're the Baltimore Ravens of podcasts because we went from <laughs> highlight games and the mad dash to the finish line to just going more free form for the show and I, I believe that just kind of freestyle in the picks has actually been a lot more effective uh, use of our time. Yeah, it has. Uh, I don't. I guess for me, I, I can't speak for you, but I guess I don't. Feel what what wound up happening is I don't feel the need to come up with more content for the highlight games because we don't have highlight games anymore. So I just come up with what exactly what I want to say for each game. And some games I have one line, and other games I have a lot more than that. But those would ostensibly be the highlight games. But I don't feel like I have to come up with a lot more for the highlight games because we don't have any highlight games anymore. So I'm just pretty much coming up with exactly what I want to say for each game. And that's, I, I think that's taken us uh, into a nice comfort zone where we're not getting the last four games in, in, in two minutes. Yeah. And it also, I think it also gives us a little more freedom to, because sometimes we will start, we might end up talking more about a game we didn't expect to talk about. That's true. So, and we have the, uh, the freedom to do that. It's been yeah. All, of course we do. We, we, we do whatever we want. <laughs> no, we I'm saying it, we don't have the, the time we restraints. In the allotted time frame. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's what I meant by the freedom. So oh, okay. So yeah, it's been been another another year, another another regular season. I can't believe it's already week 17, and we're moving into the playoffs next week. I am stunned. 
yeah, it feels like the regular season just started. We were just making our uh, preseason predictions and whatnot, and now it's it's, it's all over, and the, the regular yeah. season's done after tomorrow, and we, we'll go right into the playoffs. We're, we're, we're through Christmas. We're on playoffs. New Year's. Yeah, it is, it is just rolling on by here. Yeah, next weekend will be our uh, wild card preview show. We'll be a couple of weeks where we have to do the Friday shows because we have Saturday football coming up. So that's always uh, a fun time. Yeah, so next next week will be Friday uh, a Friday football party recap of you know week seventeen. And we don't usually ever get too depth in depth on week seventeen because it really is more about wild card weekend. Yeah, week seventeen, the the scenarios that are supposed to play out will play out, and then that'll leave us with our uh, playoff teams, and we'll you know have a little bit of discussion about those games. But you know, ten or twelve of those sixteen games tomorrow, we're not going to talk about at all because they're not going to matter. No, <laughs> no, all those teams got their last chance to get talked about tonight. So until That's so right. for the rest of the. So for the rest of those teams, we we bid them adieu, and we will see them at the draft. Exactly. The next time we'll talk about them will be when they uh, line up and and fuck up their drafts by picking somebody that right. doesn't deserve to be picked. Or, or if we uh, or or when we do our respective uh, award show. Yeah, yeah. Some of them will get their uh, will get some shine because some of them deserve to to get their shine from. Uh, the things that happen in the regular season. If the Vikings don't make the playoffs, then uh, Linval Joseph still deserves to be recognized for sitting on the bench with sunglasses after running back a, a, a fumble for a touchdown because that was boss. <laughs> okay. So uh, I do have to say, uh, I'm glad you took my advice and had some pole boys and beignets. New Orleans is motherfucking crazy, man. Uh, that was that was a freak show. <laughs> yeah, the, the po' yeah. boys and beignets were were awesome, absolutely. Um, yeah, how, how much uh, of Bourbon Street did you did you walk when you got? How many times have you been to New Orleans? First of all, I was in New Orleans one time, and I was there for okay. almost a week. Oh wow! Okay. We were staying downtown, right by the Riverwalk, there at the, by the Harris. So that's where we were staying. I see. So I don't know. So yeah, you we know were, where that uh, was. The whole Riverwalk area. Yeah. The... Yeah, I got a little bit of the geography down there. I I, I kind of know where that is. We uh, we were gonna maybe go over near there for for lunch the next day before we had to get on the boat. Uh, but we decided not to. Instead, we went to Mother's. I don't know if you had ever been to Mother's down there, but uh, I know oh, that was. I know, uh, that... I know Mother's is renowned, so I can't remember oh. if I was there exactly because I, I didn't have a bad meal in New Orleans. Yeah, it's hard to have a bad meal in New Orleans. When I, I, I truly until I went to San Francisco, New Orleans was my number one vacation food city. And it's number two, which is no, which 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 is which is no, you know, insult no to New Orleans. In There's no shame in number two. San Francisco was just everything in San Francisco, and and and, and see, New Orleans has its has a flavor, you know, it it, it it's got a theme. 
And San Francisco, basically everything was good. It didn't matter if, if you were eating Chinese or steak or a sandwich or breakfast. Every, everything you could possibly have in San Francisco of any type was world class. And in New Orleans, everything was just amazing, but it, it, it's all it is what it is. You don't go to New Orleans and get pizza. You don't go to New Orleans and, and, and just do a steak. I mean, you, you go to New Orleans and you get Cajun food, the best damn Cajun food you will get. Yeah, I didn't see a lot of Chinese places down there. In, uh, in my yeah, I didn't, didn't see a lot of Pizza Hut, you know? <laughs> uh, where do we stay? We were at a Hampton Inn, uh, maybe a block and a half. Not, maybe not even that, maybe a, like a block before uh, Bourbon Street, uh, like Bourbon and Canal right there. So yeah. we crossed, crossed the street and, and hit Bourbon Street, and oh, my God, that was like a that was like entering another realm. Because um, it, 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 it's, you know, it's not late either. This is after we had our, our po' boy dinner. Uh, we had soft-shell uh, po' boys. Um, which are very good, and I forget what my wife had, but it was also very good. But yeah, then we go walking on Bourbon Street, and it's just you know between it's six thirty, seven o'clock, eight o'clock in the evening on a on a Friday night, last Friday, and it's not you know uh, Mardi Gras season. It's not uh, Super Bowl weekends. The Super Bowl's in New Orleans next year, right? Um, uh, is it? Is, is it? I believe it is. Okay, uh, but it's not—it's not any kind of crazy party-specific time in New Orleans. But just walking on Bourbon Street at that point in time, and you see uh, sex shops and strip clubs and male strip clubs and female strip clubs and uh, hustler-themed strip clubs and penthouse-themed strip clubs and, and shops selling all sorts of uh, adult toys and. People walking uh, down the street with fishbowl drinks and just gulping out of them like they don't give a damn. Like just whatever, you know, whatever you want to drink, whatever you want to do, we're going to do it because we're in New Orleans, we're on Bourbon Street, and that's what we're going to do. We passed by at least five, like, drummer boys, like boys in the street beating on drums with, with drumsticks and shit. Uh, and like the second one, my wife stops and, and takes, you know, some pity and goes through her purse and takes like 30 seconds trying to find a dollar bill. And I'm just looking around like we're about to get bum rushed by somebody because she's sitting here with her purse wide open and trying to dig through it. But no, everything turned out okay. And she found the dollar bill and gave it to like the second drummer boy that we came across. And then literally like 15 feet later, we came across another drummer boy. It's like, okay, there's just there's too many drummer boys out here. So we're not going to give our money to every single drummer boy, but we came across at least five of those, uh, a homeless mother and her child, which I'd never seen that before. You, you know how many homeless people we see in Chicago. I've never seen a homeless mother curled up with her child uh, under a blanket in the middle of everything uh, in Bourbon Street. And uh, just party atmosphere and craziness. And then there's a, a mother cu- uh, cuddling her child. I was just very stark and, Sort of made you go, whoa! It's very, very sobering to see that uh, a man with a crying drummer boy was very strange. There was a drummer boy that was just in tears, just a little four or five year old boy, and there's this this man bent down and trying to like console him, and 
uh, my mind for a second went in a very dark place. Like he's taking a little too much attention to that little boy. So I was trying to see what was going on with that. So that was that was just in the middle of everything. And then I think the guy had a, his wife next to him. So uh, it, I don't think it was quite as, as disturbing as I thought. But if you're in you're on Bourbon Street. Everything looks disturbing when you see, you know when you see that and you see everything going on. Uh, I was wearing a Bears shirt and didn't think anything of it. But three different people on Bourbon Street giving me a, a shout out for my bear shirt, you know, just drunk people, just oh, bears, yeah. And and then some guy uh, at one of the strip clubs, one of the bouncers standing out front walks by and sees uh, the bear shirt. He just quietly, almost under his breath, goes Chicago. I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's Chicago, yeah. And some other guy walking by me on the street just looks at the bear shirt and goes, stop, bears. I'm like, okay, yeah. And some other guy runs, other guy runs out from whatever building he was in and starts high-fiving me. Yeah, okay, all right, bears, yeah, yeah cool. I felt self-conscious after a while. It wasn't like I was trying to display it or trying to brag or anything. It's just it's what I happened to have on it. It was a bear shirt. Uh, but, but it's Bourbon Street, so everything's heightened like that. And then I saw, like, seven or eight people in a group with, with Steelers jerseys on. And for a second, I thought we were about to have a gang fight because they were coming right at me, uh, but they were just going wherever they were going to go. And I also, at that point, remembered, oh, yeah, the Steelers are in town to play the Saints on Sunday in a couple of days. I completely had forgotten about that. So that's why uh, the, the Steelers were trying to take over New Orleans at the same time last weekend. Uh, and it was all before 9 p.m. All before eight nine nine o'clock on a normal Friday night in New Orleans, we we saw all of that. So in the middle of all of that, we uh, my wife and I came across the, just like this perfect little uh, side way to sort of get away from everything is is that little park. I don't know if you're familiar with this little music park that has like statues of of musicians and has a stage there to play uh, that that you can play live uh, music. Not, not people can just walk and play live music, but uh, there's musicians up there playing live music, and it's outdoor and it's open air. And then if you walk all the way to the back, there's a cafe that's selling you beignets, and that's where we had our beignets and sat down and and, and ate our beignets. And uh, I wanted to scoop up every bit of powdered sugar and pour it down my throat because it was so good. Uh, so, yes, I was very happy uh, eating po' boys and beignets in New Orleans, and, and thank you for those recommendations. But, yeah, New, uh, Bourbon Street, uh, that, that was a freak show. I've never seen anything quite like that and I can only imagine what it's like when there's an actual like celebration or party or a big event going on in New Orleans. I can only imagine what that's like at one AM. It's probably just like nothing you've ever seen before. Yeah, and, and to be honest, I haven't been to New Orleans. I mean when I was in New Orleans last was seventeen years ago. It's been a long time. Oh, okay. All right. Was, yeah. Two thousand and one winter winter of 2001 into 2002 so it may have been january of 02 that i was in new orleans but, you know and it was it was it was actually kind of nice because it was you know coming from wisconsin going down there it was it was in the 60s and 70s it was which you know when you're you know when you're from up here and living up here that's that's great <laughs> oh yeah that is that is summer like weather, and I remember I remember one of the days taking the drive uh, up the uh, Mississippi coast uh, and actually going to see all the few years later it got destroyed. Ah, 
So driving through Biloxi and Gulfport and going all along the coastline there and then come, you know, a few years later when Katrina hits that a lot of the places and the shops and the restaurants and all the places I'd been to were wiped off the face of the earth. Yeah. Now that uh, you'll see uh, going uh, the direction that we were going up, uh, not up the coastline necessarily, but definitely down through the bottom of Mississippi into New Orleans and coming back the other way. You 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 will be uh, uh, surprised by the number of hurricane evacuation signs that you see. Like this is they they got it mapped out now. When the next hurricane hits, this is how you get the fuck out of the area and get up. <laughs> yeah, as, I could as, imagine as quick as you can to get out of the the area and out of the eye of the hurricane. So very sober. And we did we did take the bridge also across Lake Pontchartrain, which is a unique experience as well. Yeah, that was that that long, long ass bridge uh, before you get to New Orleans. But if you if that's the way you came across, where it's literally just a bridge over the lake for like twenty miles. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, this just keeps going and going. I'd never been over water for that long a time, and, right. and I was the one driving, so I was like, uh, <laughs> just getting a little nervous here, but. I mean, it's, yeah, it's that, very that was, that was, it's, but there's like, yeah. you know, there's there's pullouts and stuff like that. But yeah, it's a. I remember going across Lake Pontchartrain on on the on the causeway. It's like nowhere else can I ever remember being somewhere where you're on a bridge for mile after mile after mile of just driving over water. Yes, that's exactly what my experience was. Like this is okay. really weird, <laughs> and it just keeps going. And yeah, like damn, <laughs> nothing but but bridge and nothing but water. Um, I, I didn't know if that was. Uh, I, I, my wife was telling me that that's what the sign was saying was Lake Pontchartrain, but I didn't know if that was that or the or the Mississippi River because that's how long it was. I, I thought it was part of the Mississippi we were going over. No, you but, were actually uh, driving. Yeah, like the Mississippi River would have been right along. That's what's right there downtown off the French Quarter yeah. in New Orleans. Yeah, that's the Mississippi River. No. Lake Pontchartrain is huge. I mean, and that is, uh, that's actually for, you know, the, the people who are, you know, but when Katrina happened, that is actually Lake Pontchartrain is what did all the damage in New Orleans. Oh. Because the, the hurricane missed New Orleans, and then the backside of the hurricane ended up pushing Lake Pontchartrain into the city. Oh, my goodness. So it wasn't the Gulf or the river that ended up flooding, it was all the levees and everything up against the lake. Um, so, yeah, so because Katrina missed and they ended up getting the flow coming around from the north side, it basically blew Lake Pontchartrain into the city of New Orleans, and that's what happened with all the levees and all of that. That was all from the lake, not from the river or from the gulf. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I... Wasn't aware of all the uh, intricacies because I'd never been down there. But yeah, now knowing the geography and knowing what you're talking about, yeah, I can imagine how devastating that would be because that is indeed one huge ass lake. Yeah, it just keeps going. <laughs> yes. So no, I, I, uh, yeah, I, that was. So, uh, so I've never been on a cruise, but I've been to New Orleans, so I can at least relate to some of your experiences um, on the New Orleans portion of that because I haven't been there and just knowing what an, an experience is every day in New Orleans is weird. <laughs> Especially in the I, quarter. I can imagine. In the uh, quarter it's weird. Especially if yeah. you got off where yeah. I think you got off to drive to the quarter. 
you drive through, if this was the way it was when I was down there, you know, 18 years ago before Katrina, you drove through some pretty rough parts to, of town to get to the quarter. Um, no, not necessarily. Uh, well, our uh, uh, direction was pretty straightforward where we, uh, when we hit the New Orleans city limits, we were pretty much downtown and just uh, got right to the quarter uh, from there. So, okay. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember driving through too many rough parts of town. But what uh, what I did come across was some of the most beat up, cracked up, crazy side streets. That uh, at one point I thought I had damaged a car going over some of these cracks because <laughs> that's how deep they were. Um, and my wife is yelling at me and screaming, and I'd never seen a, a crack that big in the in the in the street. Like you had to come to almost to a complete stop uh, in order to go over it without completely damaging the uh, underneath your car. And the reason I know that is because we got turned around and had to come back down the same side of the street again. And I'm like, no, oh, man, not this again. Uh, so, some, yeah, some of those streets are just ridiculously beat up, and you, 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 can, tell, you can tell they're never going to get fixed because it's just not a priority. But, uh, but I guess that adds to the character uh, so long as you don't uh, lose your car uh, to, to a pothole in the street got to be bad for us being from Chicago to complain about potholes. It is, yes. That, and, and I was thinking about that, too. Like, some of the potholes that we see in Chicago, like, this is this this is worse. This is the worst pothole. This is the worst. It wasn't a pothole. It was the street was literally uh, another level down because that's how cracked it was. Like, you, you go from one level and then your tires go drop down a good foot or, or maybe more. Uh, to, to keep going on this street, and there's nowhere else to turn because it's a skinny side street, and there's only you know it's only room for one car anyway. So it's not like you can back out of that or anything like that. So you had to go once you turn down that street, you had to keep going, and there was there's no other way to go. So yeah, that that was pretty rough. I mean, I remember living by you, and. The pothole. There were a couple of potholes that winter on Narragansett, right by you, that were, yeah. were like threatening to swallow my car. Yeah. Like they were infamous. Uh, like I knew where I had to avoid the certain potholes between North Avenue and that train station. <laughs> like, like you learn to navigate by the potholes you have to miss, otherwise your car's in the shop. Right. Now that's uh, that, there's some potholes like that down here too. Just you know the the weather and the the winter and the, uh, create some of those bad potholes. I don't think this is weather created in New Orleans. I think this is just it's a side street and they don't care to fix it because it's it's a side street. They don't they don't really get it. Old. This is old. It's, it's got character. Right. Yeah, that, that, that's what we're gonna call it. Yeah. Uh, and so, we wouldn't have had lunch at Mother's except for the train, or not the train, the boat being delayed because the previous cruise that it was supposed to be arriving Saturday morning, last Saturday morning, uh, supposed to be arriving in New Orleans at 8, didn't arrive till noon, I think, because of the weather out there where it had been previously cruising. Uh, so we had extra hours to kill uh, Saturday before we got on the boat because they needed uh, – three or four hours to clean up and get ready uh, to get the people off that boat, first of all, and then to get ready to have us on the boat 
they they needed some time for that. So we uh, had time to go find somewhere to eat for lunch, and some people recommended Mothers to her on uh, on Facebook, and we went over there, and it was excellent. They had a I had a roast beef uh, po' boy over there, and what they do is they take the drippings from the roast beef. They call it debris, and they put that on top as a as a topping to the actual roast beef po' boy and it, it made all the difference to me. It it put it over the top because it was that's extra extra flavorful those those drippings from the from the roast beef. So uh, I don't think I'd ever had a sandwich with the drippings like that before, but I, I want that again. That was that was yeah. as good as the as the beignets to me. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've been there. Everything I ate, everything I ate in New Orleans was absolutely dynamite. And heat but like heat to like enhance the experience, not just hot for the sake of being hot. Yes, that's the big difference. I, I don't like spicy mostly because yeah. most people try to make things spicy just to see how much heat you can handle. But yes, heat, Cajun heat is uh, seems to be heat for the sake of, of of flavoring your food and actually making it uh, an experience to eat, not just to make your mouth on fire. Yeah, and actually down there, believe it or not, it's also meant to make you sweat to cool you down. It's so <laughs> hot down. Well, we got some heat. Uh, the, my wife got some heat in, in Mexico uh, with the habanero sauce that they put on some of the stuff that oh, she was yeah. eating. That, that, that's some heat. That, that'll make you sweat. I and didn't have any of that. Hot. That's actually that's heat for the sake of being hot. Right. Cajun heat was like, I, I didn't mind that buzzing feeling in my mouth for, like, the whole meal. Because it was like, once you got the heat level, it just kind of stayed there. It it, mm. it 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 never made you, like, you had to reach for the glass of water. It was just that, like, nice buildup, and you hit that level of heat, and you kept it through the whole meal, and it was never, like, you know, like, oppressive. Yeah, and honestly, I didn't have anything that had even the Cajun heat. Uh, oh, the the, the okay. soft shelled crab po' boy didn't have any heat. The uh, uh, the the roast beef uh, po' boy with the debris didn't have any heat, and I had a side of uh, seafood gumbo at Mother's with that. That didn't have any heat either. So I really didn't even have any really spicy food in New Orleans. But okay. my wife did, and then she she was happy with it. She didn't complain about that. The habanero she complained about. Nope. And she likes spicy, so she complained. You know it was hot as hell. Okay. No, that makes yeah. sense. So yeah, I don't. I hate to. I hate to have to cut this short tonight, but I wasn't expecting to do this on my phone. My, my phone's about to die. Sure, I, I understand that. I I just happen to have it sitting here charging and then doing it. Yeah, my phone's yeah, just barking at me. Yeah, my phone is barking like low power at me, low power, and like it's like okay, I get it now. It's like first it gave me the little like, you know, like okay, you're getting low, and now it just gave me the, like, oh, shit, you know, it's it's really bad. So You're about to die. Get off the phone. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> All right. Next Friday, uh, whatever date that is, is that the, is that the 4th? Uh, that is January. Friday the 4th, yes. Uh, that would be, I'd assume, 10 o'clock, or you, you have to work? Yes, I work. That will be a 10 o'clock show. All right. Next Friday, 10 Central, 11 Eastern, will be our next football party. We'll talk about the happenings of Week 17 to set up the playoff field, and we'll start previewing 
wild card weekend. The playoffs are just around the corner. We are here in the postseason of the NFL, and we are all we're here for it. Uh, as Renard would say, we are all here for this. ESJ, I am Dre. This has been in much less detail the podcast. Thank you everybody for listening to the football party. Enjoy your football tomorrow, week 17, setting up our last playoff teams. And we'll talk all about it next Friday night, 10 p.m. Central, 11 p.m. Eastern. Talk to you then. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.